Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey guys, this episode features me and Princess talking about Valerie's 16 and Pregnant episode, except uh, we really just talk for three hours about foster care, adoption, drug addiction. Uh, We talk about the episode, but we really don't do a recap. We mostly just talk about the issues surrounding the episode. I think it's very interesting, but just a fair warning and a heads up. Also, basically just a trigger warning for uh, talk of abuse and death and lots of sad subjects. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. We are still in a teen mom hiatus, so we will be doing another 16 and Pregnant episode this week. I've asked my favorite, your favorite, everyone's favorite, Princess Jones Curtis to come on and talk about an episode that I think we've been, like, we've talked about doing for over a year at this point. Like, it's all... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's been on my to-do list to do with Princess specifically, and it is Valerie's episode from uh, 16 and Pregnant Season 2. I think it's episode 3. So mm-hmm. welcome, Hi guys, princess. I'm here. Uh, I'm here on the podcast. <laughs> this is definitely a heavy, heavy episode. Valerie is the only 16 and pregnant mom to have passed away since her episode, which is actually not crazy, but considering like the lives a lot of these girls live, it's kind and the opiate epidemic. And like the fentanyl mm-hmm. epidemic, it's actually kind of surprising there haven't been more deaths. Um, sure. Just because, like, as somebody that's an, a recovered addict, like, I hear about people dying like every single day. And as we're recording this, uh, we're recording this on Friday. Mac Miller died today. It's definitely like people are dying. So this is a sad episode, but I think an mm-hmm. important one because it was it was pretty raw, but at the same time. For me, my frustration with this episode is one that I feel frustrated with in general about 16 and Pregnant. I just, I think just today was able to put this into words and it's Mm. that I never feel like we're getting like a true real story about these girls' lives. And in Valerie's, like they allude to stuff and like they, they like talk out of the corner of their mouths about certain things. And I'm like, give us the real story about what's really happening here. I'm sure if I went back and watched Amber's, it would be the same. Any of these girls that I know are struggling with addiction, and we get these, like, throwaway lines about how, like, I wasn't doing so great. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know. It's it's so obvious that MTV doesn't want to include stuff that's too, too bad, because I think the goal of MTV and Sexy and Pregnant is that these girls are relatable, And so, like, they will show, like, badness, but they don't want them to be too bad because they don't want you to watch an episode of 16 Pregnant and be like, well, she's a fucking, I mean, this is a word I wouldn't use, but they'd be like, well, she's just a dumb junkie who got pregnant. Like, who cares about Mm -hmm. her? 
And I think uh, the producers are, like, very, very conscious to make these girls seem like they're not bad. Uh, Usually they like a narrative of they're very good, but if they can't, if they, you know, if they're not a straight-A student and can't brag about that, I feel like they just always present this, like, very muted version of what's happening. Yeah. Um, I also feel like, well, I know this is true, that what happens is they apply, someone calls them, gets more information, then someone comes down and interviews them in person um, once they've decided to to record. And that person, I guess the producer, um, has to come up with a story for them, a -hmm. package for them. And certain things like, I remember you guys talking about the other 16 and pregnant, certain things like the dude's pregnant, got another girl pregnant, yes. and certain things don't fit into the story you've created together. And even if you thought you could include them, you don't have footage of it. It just doesn't make sense in the way you're telling the story. Yeah. Like, unless, I'm sure that, and the other, I'm sorry, I forget her name, but the, the, in the other, you're Maddie. So if you were, if, I'm sure someone said, someone go over to that other girl's house and see if she'll film and if her parents are like, fuck no, mm-hmm. like, so there's no way to move her into this story in a, in a concise way. And keep in mind, what are the show? Their shows are like 42 minutes or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I'm sure someone came down and was like, okay, we're going to make, tell the story about this adopted girl who was having a little trouble and we can't show too much now. And this is the, this is the story we're going to tell you and all that other stuff. Because I know exactly what you mean. There's a couple of places we, when we get there, and we'll talk about it, mm-hmm. that people were using, like, coded language. And I was yes. like, are you, are you trying to say this? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah, especially so. around her baby's dad. They kept, like, yeah. I felt like they very much, he, okay, and I know for, I know this, he ended up being in and out of rehab as well. Mm-hmm. And they kept, they, it was obvious that, okay, so, I'm so, I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want to say this. First, on reality TV show, there are people called story editors, and they're essentially yeah. writers. And mm-hmm. it's obvious that the story editors wanted this episode to be about a girl whose boyfriend just wouldn't commit to her, and that was the problem. And I think mm-hmm. that's a very uh, regular and common theme in 16 Pregnant because it's, thing, it's something that teen girls fucking relate to. And every teen girl yeah. from any fucking family, any socioeconomic background can be like, wow, I know what it feels like for my boyfriend not to love me when I love him. Now, mm-hmm. do they really, can they really like uh, relate to the fact that when she's saying, well, I don't want him in his life because in the baby's life because he won't be a good parent. And then they say, because he won't love me. But what they're really saying is because he's a drug addict. Like, it's very clear to me that that's what they were talking about, but I think they didn't want to go with that for the storyline because then I think that would open too many questions about Valerie. And I also think that, especially when 16 and Pregnant Season 2 was shot, I don't think they had even done Teen Mom yet. So there was no. I don't think they had either. Yeah, because it's possible they had started filming Teen Mom. But I don't think it had even been on air when they were filming 16 and Pregnant. So they were really just filming this as, like, a one-off story with no, like, well, let's build these characters because it's possible we're going to get this girl on our off, like, on our spinoff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and I also, like, when she's talking, when his, he and his friends are talking and they're talking about the paternity test, mm-hmm. it felt like it was coded language about 
that Valerie was like known a certain way around yes. town. I felt like they were calling her a slut. Oh, and or maybe yes. they even did call her a slut, and then they they didn't air that part. Like they, I'm sure there's lots of things that were happening, I, and they didn't show. I actually a hundred percent agree with that because I, I I went back, like I rewound to hear what the friend said because he says something about like well, you wouldn't want the baby to come out and look. And I, because I was, you know, I'm like typing while I'm watching. So I thought Mm -hmm. he was saying like, well, what if the baby comes out like black, like blacker than like, so I rewound it. And then I realized like, it it doesn't sound like the guy finished his sentence, what he was Mm -hmm. saying. And I don't know if there was like a jump cut or the guy like kind of caught himself in what he was saying. Remembered he was like on camera. But I was like, did he just say something about what the baby's going to look like? And it was definitely implied, like, Valerie was sleeping around. Like, it, and keep in mind, she's only 15. So the thing starts off with, I'm 15. Yes, which Valerie is, is young. Um, she yeah, she's even, young for this show, especially. This is this, this show, this episode starts this summer before her sophomore year. Yeah. I just want that to say, and, that the summer before her sophomore year of high school. That's, like, not yeah. even, that, that's so young. Yeah, yeah, and her little cartoon where it's like, you know, I used to be out all night or <laughs> all morning yeah. and like that sort of stuff. I'm like, I think that if we had let those boys go on, they would certainly have called her a lot of names. And yes. apparently the impression is that Valerie has been sleeping around for a long time. And so other times in the story, they talk, uh, she talks about how, Matt was more experienced and mm-hmm. this is the first boy she ever loved and stuff. But my impression is that there are other stories, sort of like Janelle, Janelle, there are other yes. stories you're not telling us. Yeah. Sort of like Mackenzie McKee. You're not telling us about the other pregnancy. I would not be surprised if Valerie hadn't had more than one pregnancy scare before this. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I completely because agree. Completely. It just seems like she was kind of running wild. So. Yeah, so Valerie is 15 years old, and she's from what she calls the farm count country, which is near Oxford, Pennsylvania, which is actually mm-hmm. about 35 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. It's in the same county as where I am. Uh, we're both from Chester County, Pennsylvania. She lives out in, like, like, it's farm country. Like, she's not exaggerating when she says it's the farm country. Like, it's the farm country. But Oxford's actually pretty diverse uh it's home to lincoln university which is the first ever historically black college in the united states Mm -hmm. and uh it's but it's small like it's it's definitely a small town um i would think that valerie was definitely known as being part of like that family i would guess you know that had the white parents with a bunch of black kids uh Mm -hmm. i think that yeah, she she is from very close to me, and it's not like, I mean, she lives 15 minutes away from, like, a regular schmegular town where there, you know, like, where there's just regular neighborhoods, like, where I live, just the regular suburbs. But she she's out in the boonies. Yeah, but she's 15. She can't drive, so. Yeah, yeah, she is in, she's definitely in, like, a, a small town. And we learn that she has 11 siblings. Nine Mm -hmm. in total are adopted, and she has white parents, and she's black. And they, she says that they've had 
98 foster children. Her parents also look to be about probably between 65 and 70. They are <laughs> no. Yes, they do look that way, but I guarantee you they were probably, I don't 58? think they're 65 to 70. I think they're like early 60s. Okay. And the reason I say that is because. Like Barbara's like, age. They just, yeah, they look like about, they look like they hang out with Babs. But Babs is not like in her seventies. Is she? No, she. But she's like sixty-five. She's old. But she looks. Yeah. She, she looks like a. I think Molly talked about this on one of her podcasts. She said she looks like a brown paper bag, like she been crumpled up. <laughs> <laughs> and and Valerie's parents look the same. They like they had a rough life. Yeah. So. so that's a lot of foster children. So I, let's start there. <laughs> Uh, the main reason I wanted to bring you on is because, of you, as you've talked about, you are an adoptive mom and you are a foster parent. And 98 seems like a lot. But I'm, I mean, I guess <laughs> if they count every kid that can't, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they were um, like an emergency placement home. Sure. And they got mm-hmm. a lot of kids that were there for under a week. Why they just like look yeah. for more permanent residents. Like I wonder if they were they had an agency that they were like the go to family for emergency pla short term emergency placements. Yeah. Yeah. We know that they like the mom's like always at home and she can probably take they have enough room to take just about anybody mm-hmm. at least short term. I'm sure she did respite care. Respite is when you okay, it depends on the law where you live, but respite is is more than babysitting less than a placement so like if so like and these and they have legal definitions because when you have kids in foster care your babysitters have to be have to have a certain amount of background checks and a certain amount of training but a respite person has to have a certain amount of stuff so like if a family needed to go out of town and they have foster kids they either didn't want to or couldn't take because yes. again, foster kids, you have to get permission to leave like the county with them. Like where I live, you're not allowed to go any further south because there's a lot of child sex trafficking mm-hmm. the closer you get to the border. So like they've had kids kidnapped oh. while on vacation down there. And so like if I were to go on vacation, I had a foster kid here, they would be like, Okay, so we need to set up respite for you because you can't take that one. I'm not even going to ask the court because they're not going to let you. So respite, I'm like, if I'm doing respite for someone, I might have to keep for like a weekend. Mm-hmm. That counts as like they they would probably count that in their number of 98 children. That makes sense. I um have a tiny bit of experience with teen foster children in Chester County, mm-hmm. in the county that Valerie uh, was adopted and lived in, and she. When I worked as a victim's advocate, I worked with this 15-year-old girl. I won't give the whole backstory, but she uh, had been removed from her home because of abuse. And had it was awful. She had a lot of trouble with getting a placement. She had a lot of anger issues. She had a perfectly fine home that she wasn't allowed to go to because, you know, the state wouldn't let her go there. And her mom wouldn't, uh, like, do the right thing regarding the stepfather that was living there. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, so she had just justifiably a lot of anger issues. She was pulled out of her school. It, w- it was a mess. And th- she had a lot of like respite care placements where she, the foster mom would go out of town or whatever. And she would have to go stay at like with the respite care and in Chester County. And I don't know if it's like this statewide. I don't know if this like this, uh, wor- not worldwide, nationwide, but in Chester County, if you don't have a foster home to go to and you are 
you know, a teenager, you go to the lockdown youth center, the same sure. like residential youth center that you go to, like, like the juvenile detention hall for nonviolent uh-huh. offenders. Like it is a lockdown facility and it's not... It's not pretty. It's not a nice place to be. It's very, very sad. And she would constantly have to go there because she would get kicked out of the fault. Fo- like, the foster home would be like, she can't be here. She's violent. Like, yeah. not like that, but like would fight with another foster kid. You know, just like normal, angry right. teenage stuff. And yeah, and people decide they can't take you in their home. Like, like everybody has their limits. So, like, yes. if their home is like pretty balanced with whatever kids they have there, and then you're there, but when you're there, you're fighting constantly you're, or you, you're you smoking weed, one of the other you're kids. running away. You're smoking weed. Yeah. yeah, they have a six-year-old and you're smoking weed in the room with it. <laughs> like, yeah. They, yeah. It's not uncommon for them to be like, okay, well, call your social worker and be like, all right, well, I'm sorry, I, I can't have this person here anymore. So, and they'll, they'll, they'll negotiate. They'll be like, okay, well, could you keep it for another week so I can figure out where they can go? Yeah. A and, lot of being a social worker for these types of, for teenage kids and foster care mm-hmm. is figuring out where they can go right now. Yeah, this was like, this is off topic, but it was just so sad. And like, there was almost something sadder about this case that not that I have a lot of experience in this system, but there was almost Mm -hmm. something sadder about this case than a kid that had been in the system her whole life because she lived in like a stable home, you know, like, like she she had her own bedroom. She had her own, like, she went to the same schools her whole life. Like she had Mm -hmm. a normal suburban white teenage girl life and then she's like ripped out of it at 15 further rightfully so like it was not an unjustified she needed to be taken out of the home a hundred percent but it was so heartbreaking because like this she was not used to the system you know like she didn't and think about it her mom could have kept her where she was if she was willing to get rid of her stepfather um, and she wasn't. Yeah. That happens all the time, too. People lose their kids because they're with someone who's either abusive, a drug addict, or whatever. I mean, it's going to happen says, to hey, Janelle, probably. Yeah, they, the state says, hey, you can't you can't have your kids here with them. And a lot of times, people choose men over. Yeah. For a lot of reasons, okay? Yeah, well, this um, mom know. had left it. Like, they left, and they were staying in a hotel. And then, mm-hmm. like, the, it was just too much for the mom. And... I'm not, like, absolved. Like, the mom was guilty of doing the wrong thing. Like, I will not sure. defend the mom, but, like, I know she had tried for a little bit. And, yeah, it was just so heartbreaking because this girl, it wasn't like a kid that, you know what I mean, like, was like, okay, well, here we go again. This was, like, so yeah. out of her world. Sure, sure. And kids that age, it's, it's very hard to, I mean, so when I was watching the show, I was, some of the stuff that was happening I know it's just super hard to have a teenage foster um, yes. child because they absolutely know their parents. They absolutely know what's going on. They're usually in contact with their parents. They're going to sneak and be in contact with their parents. They'll run away to their parents. Yeah. Even if their parents have hurt them incredibly, even if their parents are, even if they're terrified of their parents, they just want things to be normal. Yeah. And so it's super hard about to do to, so I can totally see like that happening with, the, the little girl you're talking about and her not being angry at her mom, maybe being angry, but most of her anger being towards the people who removed her yes. and saying, if you would just leave us alone, everything would be fine. And not saying, okay, well, this person, stepfather or whatever is 
doing these things and my mom has chosen for whatever reason to protect him instead of protect me. Well, and I agree herself too, because I think she had been the one who told, you know, like, yeah. And, and then she thought, she just she thought, thought he would go away. Show up. Yeah. yeah. She thought he'd show up and then he would be gone and everything would be fine. Yeah. But what happened is she had to leave and her mom continued to protect her. Kale went through that. Kale yes. went through that with her mom where her mom was like, I have to like, sort of protect my situation here my yes. my setup yeah here. her situ- so I think situation is a really good way to describe it yeah also so that's what came, this is a little bit off topic but that's what came to mind when you were talking about how kale was like kept talking about um brianna well maybe i don't have a mom blah blah blah, blah. my mom's not this and that and i'm like kale we watched on tv as your mom said yeah i'll help you just not tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday or sunday <laughs> or <Yeah. Monday. laughs> like and we all watched your face, and that was like, it was hilarious, but also like fucked up. Like, whose mom talks to them that way? Oh, I'll, I'll definitely help you, just not any day of the week that ends with why. She's so awful. So yeah, she's fucking awful. Valerie, see, there seems to be at least four, three other kids in the house at this time, at least. Yep. Um, and she says it's just like it's so sad she says it's really hard for her to get attention so she i mean i would imagine mtv wrote this line for her but it's just so heartbreaking to her 15 year old say it that she it's hard for her to get attention so she does stuff for negative attention no i know they wrote that for her i know someone interviewed her and said so you've had a little trouble and she's like, yeah, you know, and they're like, well, why do you think that is? Cause you know, they have to write the script based on what she's yes. saying. So, and she's like, I don't know. Do you think it's because, you know, there are a lot of kids here. What do you think about that? Is it hard to get it? To, like, that's how it's, and I'm, and I'm basically doing an impression of that fucking Dr. Drew and a am but that's where True. I'm basically leading them down something and then saying, yeah, man, that's terrible. That's what I think happened. Yeah. Although I'm not saying it's not true. It's definitely just, true. It's not as it's not as pat like clean as that. It's not. It's that's not every. That's not the real. No. Let me get to that. I'm not saying it's not the real reason. It's just not the only reason. I think Valerie was adopted when she was a baby. Was that true? Yeah. So I looked into it a little bit, and it seems like Valerie was adopted when she was a toddler. Um, and mm-hmm. didn't meet her mom until, like, her birth mom is, like, an aware human until after the show was on. So I think she yeah. had been with this foster family, this adoptive family. I think she went, like, from, they, I'm assuming she was adopted out of foster care and that they had had her yeah. since she was a small child. Yeah. Also, I read that her foster mom, her adoptive mom said, that she did not know Valerie applied and she didn't ask permission until she'd already been chosen. And I can guarantee you that they had no foster children at home while they were filming. Yeah. Because that would never fucking go down. No. You would lose your license so motherfucking quick. And I also think that they might have more children than like the two or three we saw, but I can also see them being like, who wants to be on camera or like, oh, you can use this, this yeah. one will do this, but don't film in here. I can see there being like some sort of conversation about that with producers before they started filming. True. And they also, the kids seemed a little older and I wonder yeah. if they were maybe like phasing out foster care at this point in their lives. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, sure. They're older. 
Yeah, and they weren't taking kids in. So I guess my question for you is when I hear someone has adopted nine children, I'm going to be honest <laughs> that my heart doesn't sing for the selflessness of the parents. <laughs> I'm like, who, who, what? Like, a le- and it, it is hard because the reality is, it's like you look at Valerie and like her mom was a crack addict and like. It's wonderful that she was adopted, but is it fair that families are adopting nine children and they didn't look to have a very big house? They weren't, you know, this isn't like they were well, living in a mansion. I mean, I'm assuming their bio kids are older. Yeah. I mean, this could have been over the course of 30 years. And how old were the children adopted? Because if you've That's got true. three siblings and they're 16, 15, and, and 13... And you yeah. adopt, you go ahead and adopt them. They allow you to adopt them because at that age they have to sign off on it. Um, they allow you to adopt them, but you really only have those kids in your house for maybe five or six years. I mean, technically you need to parent for the rest of their lives, yeah. but your day to day parenting is not. That's like, true. So think about that. Also think about the fact that since we're saying, I would say at, at, they're probably in their sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably had kids that were in their forties. So. Imagine that, like, they adopted some kids when their kids were young. They adopted three, you know, five years later, and they were older kids. And then, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's that's quite true. possible there were, there were never 11 children living in that home at any time. Especially, that, I mean, if they're, let's say they're 63, and they started having kids mm-hmm. when they were 21, you know, like, they could really, yeah. they could have grandchildren, biological grandchildren sure. at this point. So, yeah, that's yeah. true. And, and Valerie had her own room. I yeah, found that a big room. It was big, too. It was huge. It was. I mean, they lived in a farm. Like, it was probably like a converted house. great room. You know, like. Sure. Yeah. She had her own room. So to answer your question, I want people to know that anyone who fosters or adopts always ha- gets something from it. Any type of charity work, anything you give, yeah. you get something from it. Even if it's just a good feeling, Yeah, or you, you get something from it. Yeah, that's and so nature. that's one of my problems. I have a really hard time with people lavishing praise on me, <sighs> and it's very hard for me because I have, like, I like the kids that come in my house. I get fun kids all the time. I don't know if that's because I'm fun or because I just get the luck of a draw, but I get very funny children. I get kids that I like to play with. I have a lot of fun just, like, lying on the floor watching YouTube videos, and they're dancing, and I'm playing with the dog, like, well, and it's a judgment when they ju- like it's a judgment of the children yeah. when they compliment you, even if they don't like yeah. really intend it to be that way. But it's like Absolutely. that. It's the same. It's the same. I think we've talked about this on this podcast. It's the same when people talk about me being sober, and they're like, "Yeah, oh my god, I can't real. Oh my!" And they like get this look on their face, and they're like, "That's incredible." And it's like, and, it's like, it's hard to take that compliment because, yeah, you know, cause it's, kind it's of not as simple too. as, well, it's not as simple as you're a saint who just one day was like, you know what? No more drugs. And, and it's, it's complicated. I get a lot from my kids. People, they pay me to take care of my kids. Um, and so I, I mean, don't, don't get excited guys. I'm not getting rich over here, but I am. T- I have a great social worker. Uh, I mean, I get a great caseworker who takes care of me mm-hmm. and makes sure I get like, and make sure when it's like you know, Christmas that my kids get toys and that I'm invited to things. And if they're giving away backpacks, she's putting stuff aside for me and helping me. Like I, this doesn't just happen. I'm not like some 
amazing person who's just given up all her entire life. So it's really hard to take those compliments. And the people who bask in that type of stuff are not good people. I'm, I'm yeah. going to be honest. The people who, like, when you when you walk up to them, they're like, and you're just like, oh, thank God you took in these terrible children. They And they're like, yeah, thank God. Those are not good people. <laughs> so so that take, keep that in mind, too. Also, everyone who does, most of the people, especially here, I live in Texas. I live in Central Texas and Austin. Most of the people who do this type of thing are very religious. They yes. believe it's a calling. They believe they're doing the Lord's work. And I, I think you know, her parents look to be those type of people. Yes, they, they absolutely are. They absolutely, and that's hard for me because I would not consider myself religious at all. I don't go to church. I, I just, it's not how I think about stuff. So when I'm going mm-hmm. to like meetings and stuff, like, like support meetings, and they'll be like, just trust in Jesus. And I'm like, no, seriously though, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> like that's how. Did you read the book Jesus Land? No, what is that? It's about, it's a- it's a very good book. It's a memoir about a woman whose family in Indiana in the seventies adopted two black children and Mm -hmm. it, they were very religious and the parents abused the shit out of the adopted (gasps) children. And the reason they adopted them is because they had been in the process of adopting a white, well, this is what the author like surmises. Um, but they'd been in the process of adopting a white baby and it had fallen through and the hospital or caseworkers or whoever had been like, well, we have this like set of siblings and they felt like, well, Jesus says like we need to adopt. And like, so we can't say no to this, these black children, uh-huh. even though like we don't want black children um, because it's like our calling that- to adopt. And it's, it's a beautiful memoir. I haven't read it in years, but I, I read it like three times back in the day. I really, okay. really enjoyed it. it I mean, it, there's a, it's a heavy memoir. There's a lot of abuse and sexual assault, but it's it's very, very, very good. And it really talks about like the religious aspect of these white people, like adopting black people. And I think it has a overall not lesson mm. but kind of story well, like 399 on amazon yeah you, i highly suggest it it has like a very good um i think the author is a very good the author is white obviously because it was her biological parents and i think the author is a very good understanding of white religious folks who adopt black children and mm-hmm. obviously not all families who do this but it's not like i'm breaking news transracial adoptions have issues like (laughs) welcome to 1992 do you want to read my study like but i i I think the author has a very good understanding of it and a good way to like explain what it looked like for her family that i think probably applies to a lot of uh white christian adopt adopters yeah and the other that so that's the other thing about all adoption is that a lot of people think that they are doing like a favor to the children mm-hmm. but keep in mind that people uh, plenty of people adopt that can't have children or this would be the only way to get children for them especially from foster care because mm-hmm. foster care i'm going to tell you is damn near free to adopt children like they pay you and yeah. and, and they pay for your adoption like i didn't pay a cent for my lawyer yeah. i i I, they gave me some names and I made some phone calls and they took care of me. I didn't pay a cent for that stuff. If I had wanted to adopt a white baby 
newborn baby privately, I could easily have paid thirty or sixty thousand dollars. No, no, that would have been like no problem. Yeah, yeah, racking that up. So, so while I do not adopting eleven kids is a lot, but we don't know when they did. That's true. And then some yeah. people, but having eleven kids is a fucking lot. Just have yeah. just getting yeah. pregnant, having eleven kids is a fucking lot. So it just really depends on, I'd like to know more, but the other thing we need to, the one thing that like really stood out to me with these parents is that, so they're talking about how Valerie got pregnant and his dad said she's pro-choice and she's like, you mean pro-life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's the exact opposite of how I feel. Like I would, I would. I want abortions to be covered on the healthcare. Like I just think that I this want is the like, government to pay for them. Actually, yeah, I just think that's. I mean, it's cheaper than the yeah. um, than the other ways you have to pay for unwanted children. Yeah, and but I like someone who walks their talk who says I am pro life, and so I take in children, and so yeah. that other people can't or won't take care of. And lots of people are pro life, and they don't want shit to do with these babies that are born. They don't want to help support them, and they don't, and they're they're a nuisance to them. But they I mean, want that, to, they want to prevent people from getting abortion. Part of the reason that Valerie had this baby, right? Because she knew her parents were like never gonna let this baby be without a home. I uh, no, I think part of the reason she well part, but I also think that adopted kids really want to oh. have biological children. And it's actually, and I, think I mean, that, we see that multiple times in 16 and Pregnant. Like, it, yes, there, there are, are multiple episodes. episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they want to have the biological connection. Connection, And Valerie even says it. She says, um, ugh, I have it in my notes. But she says, like, she never knew what it felt like to have a connection with her mom. And she wants to feel that with her baby. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, that's not, it's not going to fix you. It's just not, well, it's not going to fix that, like, hole in your heart from not having that connection with your bio mom. Absolutely. And think about this. So she's only, she probably does not remember her biological mom in any way, shape, or form. Because no. she was adopted as a toddler. And she, even if she had visits up to the time her rights were severed and was adopted right after, she, she probably does not remember her biological mom. Yeah. So all she knows is the relationship with her adoptive mom. And I'm sure that the things that, so you and I were both, I mean, you were a bad teenager, but I was an annoying one. And I had a hard time with my mom because we were the mm-hmm. only women in the house and we clashed all the time. Her being my biological mom, didn't, I felt like she didn't understand me. But if yeah. she had been, if I had been adopted, I'd also be like, well, she's not my real mom. So that's why. That's yes. why she doesn't understand this. And I'm sure Valerie so would tell herself that. So She'd be true. like, you, you're not listening. Because if we were relate, actually related, you would understand why I have to go outside at 3 a.m. and do heroin, you would understand. Like, she, but she yeah. doesn't have anything else to, to compare it to. So, I think that's part of it. I also think Valerie just thought she wasn't going to get pregnant like a lot of people. And she was just like, oh, you know. Yeah. I actually have a friend whose mother got pregnant the first time she had sex and then had to marry the guy and was married to him for like, was married to him for 35 years and then found out like, that for the last 10 years he'd been cheating on her with various prostitutes and people in prison. <laughs> and I was like, fuck! <laughs> that's the girl that could have used an abortion. That's, <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh, so Valerie has a boyfriend named Matt who is 
an indiscriminate amount of years older than her. We don't get an age, which I notice MTV usually mm-hmm. does not give an age if the boyfriend is not uh, is not under the age school. of eighteen. Yeah, is not a high schooler. Yep. They usually, if he's and- in high school, we get a. We would get him. Matt goes to a different school than me, but we still see each other on the weekends. Or mm-hmm. we always get like a how they know each other, and we, I mean, they throughout the episode, we hear things like Valerie would be out all night with Matt, and then he would go to work, and so she just wouldn't go to yeah. school. Uh, no, he wouldn't go to work. She, she would oh, yeah, say, yeah, if yeah. he didn't go to work, I just wouldn't go to school. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So, so Matt I was like, how the is... old is he? Matt is, we don't know how year, many years old, but I would guess between 18 and 22, somewhere, probably 19 sure. and 22, actually. Uh, yeah. He's older. Okay, okay, okay. He's definitely older, and Valerie describes him as rough around the edges. And you know what I will say about Matt is that, at least from what we saw, Matt was probably one of, like, the lesser abusive boyfriends on this show. He just didn't want to be with Valerie. And he was, like... And he was rude about it. He was rude, but he was, like... He he was, like, just stop calling me. Like, I just... I don't want to be... Like, I will say he was was quite up front. He was quite up front. And he wasn't coming around and sleeping. He wasn't like Adam. Where, like, one day he'd come over and have sex with her. And then the next day be like, you should kill yourself. Like, he he wasn't like that. He was just, like... I don't really want to talk to you anymore. Like, can you stop calling me? <laughs> which yeah, was which mean. makes me believe they were not dating. I think that she just hung out and they fucked a bunch. Yeah. I think that's I, what happened. I think Valerie was a 15-year-old girl with a lot of issues. And they uh-huh. met at partying, probably. And sure. they would just, he just saw Valerie's like some girl he hooked up with. And then it became too much drama. And he's like, I can hook up with any other girl. Like, I, I don't need this if I just want to get laid. Mm-hmm. And also, but so I like that about Matt, but the thing I didn't like was the beatboxing. Like, oh, I was the over it. I didn't like a lot of things about Matt. <laughs> it reminds me of that commercial where people were trying to do a test drive, and there's a white guy rapping about the car in there, and people are super impressed, but I'm just like, why? Why can't I just... <laughs> decide if I want to buy this car in peace. Why are you doing this? That's what I would, I would never make it on camera because I'd be like, can you stop? <laughs> yeah. I'm like trying to see how this baby goes. What are you yeah. doing? And Ugh. I just, I was like, he just was so annoying with that shit. And I was like, what year, what year did this come? What year was this? Uh, 2009, I think, or two, I think it's 2009, 2009 or 2010. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to see, like, I'm trying to think about who was, like, famous then and was, like, <laughs> well, like, what he was looking at on TV that told him he should beatbox all the time. I, I just wanted to understand what was happening. <laughs> and he lived in, like, I guess, so I guess he lived, so he didn't live in that small town, huh? No, I, okay. So I'm guessing he lived in the greater Chester County area, anywhere between... Okay. For my Chester County heads that are listening to this, I'm guessing he lived anywhere, a.k.a. my friend Katie Paisley from high school. Like, hi. (laughs) Hi, Katie. (laughs) Let's hang out soon. I think you're back from the shore. (laughs) Um, I'm guessing he lived anywhere between this place called Coatesville, which is where Valerie ended up passing away, which is like 10 minutes from me, to Mm -hmm. like... Which is like a, like a an actual like town, 
with not like a downtown area, but it's it's a pretty populated town. Um, it has like high crime. Okay. It's not the best town for anywhere from like Coatesville to where they are in Oxford, which is like a half hour like into the boonies from Coatesville. Okay. So I'm guessing he lives. And like, he doesn't drive. He doesn't. He I doesn't don't have a license. He doesn't seem to have a license or to drive. He so said I'm he guessing doesn't. he lives so. anywhere in between like those areas. Um, although I don't know, because then he moved to Wilmington, which we'll talk about when we get there. But if he's from Coatesville, I don't. So I don't know. But he lives, I would guess, within like a forty-minute radius of her. But because she's out in the boonies. Like, anything within a half hour is probably considered close to her, you know, because yeah, she, like, and, lives far away. Yeah, since neither of them have licenses, Matt specifically said he'll have his license back or something like that. Oh, and he had a DUI. Also, and, like, it's totally, it's one thing to get someone to drop you 10 minutes somewhere, but to be like, can you drive me 40 minutes so I can see this boy who doesn't like me? Yeah. Like, it's a whole yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, true. I don't have any gas money. <laughs> Valerie had a really good, so when 16 and pregnant, it's always like, but, 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 but I'm pregnant. And Valerie's was really good. It said, Matt needing to take a break from us really sucks because I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he was like, it's a bad time. Because look at this big ass belly. <laughs> it's a really bad yeah, time. Yeah, it's a bad time. <laughs> drug addictive boyfriend doesn't want to be with me. Yeah, and that's my favorite part of 16 and pregnant. I love it when they're like, hi. My name's Becky. This is my boyfriend. We only met two weeks ago. And we're in love. And we're going to be together forever. I'm going to grow up to be the president. And he's going to grow up to, to race NASCAR of cars. <laughs> but we better get going because, look, we're going to have a baby. Yeah. And at the beginning, they're so optimistic. I'm like, girl, you got a world of hurt coming your way. <laughs> First so, of all, that guy's not going to be around. No. <laughs> Valerie says she knows that Matt won't walk away from her baby. And I was like... Okay, girl. But I am happy to report that apparently he's still in. He, Matt has his own issues, but he's in regular contact mm-hmm. with the baby. Yeah, and, apparently he's like every other weekend he comes and visits the kid. And yeah, like, aka like they let him come over for Sunday lunch, like and see the baby. Well, so, that's what Devon was doing. Oh, oh, I'm not knocking that. And if he's do, like, I mean, I am knocking it a little, but I think that's better than like no. You know, if that's all that he can do. Like, that, yeah. I can understand that. Even if he, like, brings her over to his mom's house and spend the night every, like, Saturday night and brings her back on Sunday morning for church, like, that's still better than Valerie was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. So, Val goes on a walk with her friend Sienna, and they say that Valerie was a lot different two years ago, which is sad to hear because. She was 13. Yeah, and that makes sense to me, because she probably... <laughs> In seventh grade was still probably pretty happy-go-lucky. She was, like, okay with her life and, like, hadn't maybe thought that much about her adoption and her bio mom and, like, the chaos and dysfunction and then probably, you know. Puberty. Yeah, puberty hit. And she was like, nah, fuck this. She's in high school now. She's worried about how she looks. And one of the things that struck me the first time I watched this when it was on its first run was I remember thinking, Valerie's very pretty, and she's in high school, and everyone wants to fuck her, and she is on top of the world. And she thinks this is how her life is going to go. And what she doesn't realize is that, I mean, she died at 23, but 
I didn't, I didn't know that was going to happen. I'm not that gay. But I was thinking to myself, like, at 22, she's going to be in a different place here because being pretty is always a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But then people add other things to it. And in high school, you guys are kind of all on the level playing field. You kind of have to, you do eventually have to go home. Nobody mm-hmm. has a car. Yeah. No one, you don't, you you may have some money from your family, but no one's like has a career and you're, and you, there's not that guilt about that sort of thing. As you get older, there are more things to compare yourself with. And although she's very pretty high school, pretty, and she, I just didn't, I was like, that's only, you can only get so far on that. And it's just, and she's also one of those people, you know how like LA is filled with people who are really pretty in their hometown and like Iowa Yes. And that's why everyone's super pretty in LA because even the ugliest people, what happened, they got there and they realized they they realized they were only on the the low side of pretty and they became like realtors. Mm-hmm. That's why everyone's like very good looking in those places. That's what I was thinking of her. I was like, she's the type of person people told her she should like model and she should go to like New York and she would get to New York and be like, Oh fuck. <laughs> like yeah. there are a lot of pretty people. So I remember thinking that she probably I bet she was pretty popular yeah. for a lot of reasons in high school. I think that's probably a good assessment. Or if not, like, if her high school is anything like mine, she might not have been, like, the most popular, like, good girl, but she was, like, popular with the bad kids. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, she was invited to every party, like... Probably, I would imagine most of her friends, especially the guys, were much older than her. I wouldn't be surprised if Valerie was that, like, 14-year-old who partied with, like, 19 and 20-year-olds, like, on the regular. Sure. Also, she's black, but she's light, and she's because she's biracial. She has long black hair, longish black hair. And when you see her friend, I guess her friend Sienna, I was like, oh, that was me in, like, high school, who... I mean, there's nothing wrong with Sienna. Don't get me wrong. But she's obviously not pretty like Valerie. Yeah, she but she's got a lot of chubby, fucking questions. She had glasses yeah. on. Like, glasses. She was, she was she cute. Was she was a high schooler. You're like, oh, she's 15. Yeah, yeah and no one's like, she's not, she, no one's chasing her like she's got beer flavored nipples or whatever. Yeah. Like they were probably chasing Valerie. And I remember thinking, oh, I see myself in her because I wasn't like the cute girl ever, but I was definitely like the one with a lot of questions like, wait, but you're 15. <laughs> wait. Is he gonna come visit you? Like that's what I, I I would totally be in the corner, like bringing the fucking room down. <laughs> yeah. Her friend is like, so you didn't wear condoms, and she's like, yeah. no, and had the weirdest explanation for why. She said, what? well, it wasn't weird; it was sad. What she was trying to say was like, I was too scared to ask him to put on a condom. Like that—that's what she was saying because we don't teach. Like he might get mad. Yeah, like, I think that was clearly the case, because she said something like, well, like, you know, I wasn't that experienced, and, like, I didn't really, like, know what to say, and I, he was really experienced, so I figured, like, if he needed a condom, he'd put one on, because if Valerie, yeah, Valerie, I mean, I'm sure they had sex ed in school, but I don't, first of all, she was in ninth grade, so I don't even know, like, how much <laughs> sex ed she'd even had, I think. She was pregnant in her sex ed <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And she, you know, I'm sure there was no discussion in the home of, like, if you're going to have sex, like, 
you muscle economy, you need to stick up for yourself, like, you Mm -hmm. have a voice, like, you need to use your voice, men are going to try and do, like, pressure you into doing things, like, not, I'm not saying, like, Matt pressured her into having sex, but I think it's very obvious that, like, when Matt said jump, Valerie said how high, um, and was, like, constantly scared of Matt not wanting to be her boyfriend and Matt not wanting to be with her. And the last thing that she was going to do was say, hey, honey, can you put on a condom? Because that might make him upset and then he won't want to have sex with her. And if he doesn't have sex with her, then he doesn't love her. He doesn't want to be around her. That's why he's coming over to have sex with her. I think that, like, so one of the things I try with my kids is I try not to talk about sex as if it's some dirty thing you're never going to do. I try to, like, even just when we talk about our bodies or when we talk about people asking them to do things, even if it's just something innocent like playing or, or um, you know, come over here and do this with me, I always tell them, like, you will have, you always have time to pause and go, wait a minute, let me think about this. You never have to do things, like, right this second. You can pause and decide what you want to do. Um, I think that, her, like you said, her parents were, like, super... Like, you're never going to have sex until you're married. Mm-hmm. You have to keep your flower pure. <laughs> like, some yeah. bullshit like that. And if the if the choices are, I'm never going to have sex ever, or, um, like, if that's the only choice you give them, then you, all, you force them to make a choice that you can't even help them with. You can't even say, hey, listen, if you think you're, you know, as things are getting, like, more serious and stuff, you know I'll help you. I'll always listen to you. If you need, um... If you think you need, like, condoms and stuff, I, I have them. We can talk about things. You can tell me how you feel. I'm not going to get mad at you. Like, if you talk to people like that and you not just talk to them but, like, act out on things like that, yeah. then they will trust you enough to say, hey, you know, we're hitting it, man. <laughs> we're getting there. So I don't – I just feel like – also, if you listen to the way Valerie talks to her parents, Valerie is very spoiled, okay, which is not unusual. I think people think foster kids are super grateful, and they're just like, so happy you're feeding them, or thank you for adopting me. You made me. That's not how children talk to you, and why would they? They're not, like, indentured. They're not slaves. They're not, like, you know what I'm saying? It's all gratitude. It's, like, it's a learned trait that you learn as you get older. Like, they're. Sure. Kids don't have, like, the world perception to understand gratitude. I mean, you train no. them to say thank you, and they I think they can genuinely feel moments of gratitude when they are rewarded in the instant. You know, uh-huh. like, when they get something they really want, like, a child, of course, can be like, oh, my God, thank you, I wanted this so bad. But that's why, like, you yeah. work through all your Christmas presents, and you love it, and you're high on it, and then you're like, oh, that's it? Christmas is over? Yeah. Like Two kids, days later, you don't give a fuck about those toys. No, <laughs> and cr- kids are just un... And it's not their fault. Fu- like, they're just not... They don't have... When you're a child, how can you be grateful when you don't... The world is not big enough for a child. A child's world is not big enough for them to have true gratitude. Right. They have no idea. And empathy is hard for them. Yeah, it's a learned um, skill. These, you have to learn these things. And also... Again, thinking about yourself as a teenager, thinking about me as a teenager, I, even as not, like, I had no gratitude whatsoever. I just assumed that these things were going to happen. 
And I, I did say thank you. And I, I mean, I do, I, I have a good relationship well, with my parents. Were I love them. You were well mannered. Yeah. And that's the difference. Children can be well mannered, but it's very hard for children to have genuine gratitude. It just is. Right. Yeah. And also, so I think I talked to you about this before. Foster, people who are in foster care or, or in those types of situations. Oh, yeah, we have talked about this. But especially if they're in long-term care. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who do foster care and there are terrible people who do who are mean and like lock people, lock people in cages and like, you know, um, are doing it to get the money. But I'm going to tell you, it's like not a lot of money and there are easier ways to get that money. And then you don't have to take care of a kid. So (laughs) you get a a second job. (laughs) Yeah. Like you could like work at, (laughs) you could work at like Denny's for like a few nights a week and get the same amount of money in a month and not have to spend it on anybody. So, I know that's in, like, an uh, archetype, but mm-hmm. it's really not what most people who work in this industry are like. Most of them are, like, bleeding heart people. Yes. So if you've been in care or around people who are in care, like, Valerie has people who are foster parents that do this thing all the time. What happens, though, is that they try really hard for you. And the state also requires you to do certain things that are that you wouldn't be required to do with a biological parent, like, I'm required to offer children three meals a day and two snacks. I have to offer it to you, and it needs to be this. It needs to be on par with what I'm eating. Like when I was growing up, my mom sometimes would eat food, and like we would have leftovers, but she would have mm-hmm. like something special, and that would be t- totally okay. It would be okay for me to do. Mm-hmm. So, and then also, like I get free tickets to like um, water parks, and I I'm invited to all these parties, and then the social workers do all these things, and people donate stuff specifically like to my family. And they'll, mm-hmm. I'll get, like, a Walmart gift card for $250 to just go buy them things. And all I need to do is provide a receipt and take a picture of the kids with it. Like, people in the community do things like that. Yeah, so, like church groups or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not so like an Instagram Valerie, spawn con, but, like, church. No, no. <laughs> no, I'm not doing spawn con. But it's kind of like that. But they just want to see that what you get with the with the money. Yeah, and then, like, at Christmas, I mean, people show up with shit. People, so you people get feel spoiled. Good. You get spoiled and people feel good about it. And and also the other thing is, so like people, you you know how when you adopt a dog, Mm -hmm. I'm not comparing children to dogs. You know, when you adopt a dog, you kind of build a story around the dog. You're like, he was in that cage and he was rescued. Yeah. 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 Who rescued him? People make backstories for children and some of them are bad backstories, but they try to make it up with material things. They take them a ton of places. They always go out to eat. They, this is what I, I know someone who, so you have to take them to see their parents if they're in foster care and they still get visits. And lots of times parents don't show up because one, they can't pass the drug test mm-hmm. or they're incredibly ashamed or just all kinds of reasons. Or sometimes they just don't want to fucking see the kid. Yeah, that's true too. But a lot of tons of reasons. So you get there, you're waiting, the parents don't show up, and you have to tell the kid, or the social worker has to tell the kid. So then that person, my friend that I knew, would then take the kid to, like, main events or, like, Dave and Buster's. Yeah. And also, it's especially hard in, I would imagine, a foster care situation because you're not necessarily deeply emotionally bonded with these children. So you don't have the ability to be like, let's just sit at home and I'll hold you while you cry, like you might do Uh with the child that you've raised since they came out of your vagina or that you've had yeah. since you adopted them as a li- like you were in the hospital when they were born. 
you know, you're not right. bonded with them like that. So the only way to show like your affection and your love and to make up for it is through material stuff. And that's not even unique to foster right. parents. Like that's how my, my, my parents fucking showed me stuff <laughs> like that. Bad stuff would happen at my house. And then I would come from home from school and there'd be like a new Lily Pulitzer dress laying on my bed. Like <laughs> these things happen because that's just like, because in my case, it wasn't that my parents like weren't emotionally bonded to me. It's that they were like too fucked up themselves. So, like, I think my mom was just like too fucked up to be able to like give me that emotional, you know, like that emotional healing. So mm-hmm. What she did, and I don't necessarily, it wasn't right, but I don't necessarily fault her for this because it's not like she just ignored me. Like, she knew, like, I was upset and something was wrong, and she would just, like, buy me stuff. And be like, well. Here's a quick fix. Yeah, and also, like, that's, I think, how her parents did it. And, well, and also, like, my mom's dad was, like, really strict and, like, she could only get two new things, outfits every year for school. So we would go, like, on crazy back to school shopping sprees because she wanted to give me what she didn't have and it's just for some people i think it's easier to just give me i think for everybody it's easier just to give material goods but i think in a lot of cases in foster care it's because you're not emotionally bonded with the child or if you're an alcoholic and you're just like physically unable to emotionally give what the child needs it's like are you trying to make up for their past you're always trying to make up for their past or you're yeah. trying to, because also you often compete with biological parents, even if they're not there, because they have this idealized parent of their biological parents. Yeah. My youngest, he got in trouble at camp, and I was driving him home, and I let him know he was in trouble and what we were going to do about it. And he got really quiet. He's seven, he's six, he's seven now, but he's six at the time. He goes, okay, I think about my real mommy sometimes. Oh. <laughs> no, that's what I say. So I think I, I think about my first mommy sometimes, oh. and I just turned around because I think he thought he was going to hurt my feelings. Yeah. I said, "Good, yeah." Think about her all the time. You got any questions? <laughs> so you can go on your own. Think about her, and if you want to talk about her, let me know. I, and then he just looked at me, and I said, "Oh, did you think you were going to hurt my feelings?" I said, "There is nothing that will keep me from taking care of you. You know why I have you, and it's because your um, your first mommy could not take care of you the way you need to be taken care of. And there's nothing you could say to me to keep me from taking care of you. There's nothing you could say to me to keep you from loving you. And part of taking care of you is when you do things that are not right, I'm going to teach you the right thing. And I said, do you have any other questions? He was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I really thought he thought I was going to bust out crying and be like, okay, you don't have to do it. Don't worry yeah. about it. Like, so think well, of all the emotions you had as a teenager or as Valerie age, couple that with you're trying to figure out who you are and you have this thing in your past that that's part of it. And I'm sure that as she got older, if she got in trouble, she could easily say, I miss my real parents. Mm-hmm. I know you don't understand me. And, and then her mom, I'm going to be honest, her, I don't know if she's like a terrible person or anything, but on camera, she just seems like. She was at her wit's end with Valerie, and she, mm-hmm. like, really loved Valerie. And well, I could totally see her being like, let's leave them all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think that we have come in, like, in the seventh inning of Valerie's story. Yeah. And, like, yeah. in a way that is we don't see in a lot of these other 16 and pregnant uh, episodes. Valerie had been expelled from school. They just don't see what? it. She goes... 
Well, I was skipping school a lot, so, like, you know, now I'm homeschooling. And then later, she's like, well, what if I, like, apply to go back to the school? And they say something about, well, we've been through the suspensions. And I'm like, Valerie was legit kicked out of school. Like, she was going to have to ask to be let back into the school. And it did not seem like it would just be an easy option to go back to school. And I feel like we are just missing so much. And they would just, like, constantly say these things like, well, when I was out all night with Matt. And it's like, what? She's 15. Like, what do you mean she was out all night? Like, how was she out all night? And you didn't call the police or how how was this a regular thing? Also, Matt, she mentioned at some point times when Matt spent the night and stuff like that. And we talked about my mom having those sleepovers. Yeah, yeah, no sleepovers. Nobody fucks in this house except for me. And your daddy when I let him join in. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, there's really... And I would say one thing that I found kind of striking was how calm her parents were with her. Mm-hmm. Like, in a way that didn't seem like they were just calm, cool, and collected. In a way that seemed like they were totally and completely resigned and not actively giving Valerie boundaries and consequences. Or in a way that you've already caught her doing heroin in the bathroom is like the least, this is the least worst thing that happened this year. Uh, yes. And I'm wondering if her parents, also because they're religious, believe that this baby was a gift from God to save Matt, Valerie and to sure. fix her. And, and you know that this is when, the thing we need. And you know, when she died, that they said the show was like the start of everything that once she was on the show she thought she was this and and she just was uncontrollable after that totally like not acknowledging the fact that she like had like was already having like tons of trouble and don't act like you were controlling her before that because that's not true so yeah i just want to mention that valerie and her dad they're all outside talking and you kind of touched on it earlier, but he said, you know, we found out you're pregnant. He said, we're pro, he said, well, I'm pro choice. And they're like, no, you're pro life. And he said, oh yeah, well she had no choice from what I saw. And I like physically, like my whole body, like cringed at that. That is, I just, that is the saddest fucking thing. A 15 year old who is already out of control gets pregnant and she has no Okay. It's so sad. You know that's not true, right? She got herself on TV without permission. She got pregnant without permission. She was out all night. She could get an abortion. If she wanted one, she would have got one. I agree. But it was just like to hear her dad say it like that. Like that they're, they don't, it's very rare that they just like say it like that. Like they're just like, oh no, she was having that baby. I also, They didn't discuss adoption at all in this episode when it came to the baby, right? No, she did. Sienna asked her. The girl with the questions and the glasses uh-huh. asked her. I like she Sienna. Said, that's, that's what, yes, I think Sienna is probably living a fine life right yeah, now. She's but anyway. a college graduate. She is she's saving a lawyer. her first home. She's asking real questions in the courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she asked her, and that's when Valerie said the thing about wanting the connection. Oh, okay, okay. And I... All, but I do wonder if, like, her parents were like, well, we're not going to push adoption because, like, we'll just adopt the baby if it doesn't work. Like, no, they're... I bet you, 
I bet you they said, you know how you were a gift from God for us? You're gonna, This baby's going to be a gift for someone else, and you could do that. And no, no, no. I mean, and like, I, between themselves, like, in the back of their head. They're probably oh, just like, well, oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to take the baby in. You know, like, we've already adopted nine, like, baby number ten. Yeah, and they did end up adopting her, right? they've had custody of her. She's not adopted. I wonder if she's still in the system and they get like assistance. No, because it would be a kinship adoption. Oh, oh, and you don't get, yeah, that's true. You Um, don't get paid for it. I wonder if they just like don't care to go through with the process of adopting her. Why would they? Who's going to come get her? Yeah. Um, And and that's Matt. That's the common too. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to go through the process of like, you know, Matt comes around once a week, like, why rock the boat? Nobody's, pro- mm-hmm. nobody's like, going to come here and say, like, I want this baby. Like, And it would be super hard because um, possession is not against the law when yeah. it comes to custody stuff. And the fact that she's been, they've been, like, her primary caregiver since her birth. Life. Yeah. It would be nearly impossible for him to get get him get her yeah. from that house unless they could prove something happened. But like I was saying, also, this is super common too. Like for you to raise, either foster or adopt a child, raise them, and then end up raising their child. Yeah. Or because or to foster some children, and their mother continue to have kids and ask you to keep taking them. They call you when she's pregnant and be like. I know you adopted my other two kids. Um, I want all my kids together. When I have this I one, actually, will you come get it? I know. I went went to rehab with a girl who both of her children were adopted by the same, uh, like, gay couple. She got pregnant, yeah. gave the baby up for adoption, and she got pregnant again and called them and was like, do you yeah. want another baby? And they were like, yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. like, send them our way. <laughs> so yeah. both but a lot of, her, of times you don't. Because, like, you have four of her kids, and you're like, you got to stop because I can't take any more. And even then, like, I just know people who had reached their limit already but took on a new kid. Well, they took on a new kid because it is the biological sibling of the children they already love. And and some of them have relationships with biological parents, and it's Mm -hmm. super hard especially if you can do it with no judgment, it's super hard to look at them and be like, okay, so I don't know what's going to happen to this one. I know I have these others, but this one I can't. And it's especially if it's someone, a lot of times they're relatives too. Like I just, when I watched this the first time, I knew that kid was going to end up with those parents already. I was like, oh, okay. So we see what this is going, right? So I mean, unfortunately, like, it's a very, a case like Valerie's, in my opinion, is a very strong example of, you know, generational drug abuse, generational, like, teen parenting, yep. generational dysfunctional parenting, that mm-hmm. even when taken completely out of the situation in the environment, completely removed from it in essentially every way, still... Yeah affects the child and that is it's sad but it's true it's like you genetics are at play very very early in life trauma like probably trauma from the womb if there are drugs Mm -hmm. involved like stuff that can not be erased even when like given I mean I don't know if this is the case for Valerie but given like a stable loving home uh you you can't erase generational trauma. It's like imprinted in our DNA. 
Mm-hmm. And you can't, like, before I started doing this type of work, I would, I don't know if I believe that you could, something could happen while you were in utero and mm-hmm. you could feel really that. I, I was like a lot of people that was like, oh, if you get a baby, like, the day it was born, no problem. But that's not how things work. And we also don't, you have no idea what's going to be, what's going to traumatize. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. Things that could have happened when she was already adopted. Like, because they're not perfect. Things that could have happened. Um, yeah. Also, keep in mind, they're taking in other children, too. Uh, it's yeah. so... I, I read mm. that one of her adoptive brothers was a pedophile, pedophile but um, a convicted molester. Oh, and I read that, but that definitely happens uh, because you're bringing traumatized children into right. one environment, unfortunately. Yeah, they didn't cite sources, so it could be a yeah. lie. I could be, like, lying. But I'm just saying that people are discussing that. And that's super common for someone to have been molested at a young age, grow up, do the same thing, for you to bring in someone in your home, and then they molest your children. Like, that mm-hmm. that shit happens all the time. We don't know what the fuck happened to Valerie. We don't know what happened to Valerie yeah. two years ago. Valerie yeah. could have been... Okay, so, you know, I'm going to bring 13, up... And that's why she had a... Miss Rhonda. Miss Rhonda Van Zant <laughs> Ayana. <laughs> yeah. She always talked on her show, she always on Fix My Life. She mm-hmm. always is like the kid the people are always like, Well, she had a change at twelve. We don't know what it was. <laughs> and it's you can pinpoint what the fuck something happened, yeah. she never told you, and everything was different after that. Valerie could have been raped at thirteen. Valerie mm-hmm. could have had problems her parents seem loving but she could have had problems with relatives of them that didn't accept her because of because she was a transracial adoption she could have been abused in other ways by other children you have no fucking idea she just seems like by the time we get to her just like you said it's late in the game and interesting and i know this is like such an unfair ask of me and i'm just like saying this out loud because we're talking about it my ideal version of 16 and pregnant, and I kind of understand this is sick, but like, I think that this, I'm kind of obsessed with like a more realistic version of 16 and pregnant would be for like all of these girls that were sexually assaulted or molested as children to be like, and then this happened. Like, I like, like intervention? No, like, yeah, like intervention, like 16 and pregnant intervention style where we get the truth of a lot of these girls who are come to us on 16 and pregnant already so broken and in these emotionally and sometimes then we later find out physically abusive relationships with these awful teen boys um, have like dysfunctional relationships with their parents. Some of them have eating disorders. Some of them have substance abuse issues like Obviously, like, you can't force someone to disclose abuse. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But if I did, like, an ideal version of 16 and Pregnant, we would get, like, it'd be two hours long. And the first 30 minutes would then be sitting there and, like, recounting the hardships in their lives. Because I think that's, like, an an angle that we just don't get on this show that explains why these 15-year-old girls are choosing to have babies. Well... One, you'd never get that because no parent would sign off on it. I know. I know. Did you, and this is off topic, but did you see that MTV has a new show called Pretty Little Mamas? What yeah. is that? It's, um, I haven't watched it, but apparently, <laughs> okay, I swear it's to God. It's not out, is it? No, no, it is. I think it has two episodes. 
I swear to God, apparently the premise, it's like a pretty little liars inspired show, but with real people who are brought together after the murder of one of their friends. I swear to God. And they're all young. I thought it was about Teen Mom. They are. They're all young mothers. And it's apparently scripted like the hills. So it's like real people that aren't actors, but it's like a heavily scripted and produced reality show. What is, what are they doing? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't watched it. Yet. You know what? We're not, I'm definitely not young and you're not that young. I don't think that we're there. I, I don't know. think we're there. Um, they're target audience. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really do like a, a, a heavily scripted reality show. I've never been like a big fan of them. I actually never loved the Hills for that reason. Like I never loved a Chris Lee knows best. Like I don't super you don't love, love anything. <laughs> Chris Lee knows but I could actually talk for hours about how fucking crazy that family is but anyway on that okay. note let me take a five second break and then we will continue talking Valerie so yeah I just really hate how much we've missed a Valerie's life and I just my ideal version of 16 pregnant is much darker basically (laughs) it's just like a darker grittier show because that's what is interesting to me and i've never loved this like having a baby is hard narrative because it's like yeah we know but you know it's also really hard like being a 15 year old that's been expelled from school that's having unprotected Uh sex with your boyfriend because you're too scared to say put a condom on like god only knows So Matt and his friend, uh, like, take a car ride and they talk about a paternity test. And his friend calls it a fraternity test. (laughs) It's been stupid. (laughs) Stupid. And, okay, when I say Matt is, like, the literal spitting, like, if I could draw you what a Chester County white opioid addict looks like, Matt would be it. He just, Aww. he, like, that's, like, as soon as he came on screen, I'm like, oh, like, he he's probably a drug addict. Like, he just, everything about him is, like, he looks just like my 20s boy, my early 20s boyfriend. <laughs> like, that okay. is just what they all look like. And Matt, like I said, Matt was not nice to her. And Matt was not a good person. Person, but I did appreciate that he was upfront. And this episode of Sixteen and Pregnant has probably one of the most iconic lines from the whole series. Yeah. And they're talking about their Valerie and Matt are on the phone, and he's like, "Well, I need a paternity test," and she goes, "It's your baby, Matt. Get it through your head. We had sex, lots of it, and it was unprotected." I half the episode was her calling Matt. Oh, <laughs> three quarters of the like, episode was her calling Matt, Matt, Matt. Also, did you notice the yes, high amount of like uh, animated calendar markings there were? Like, there yeah, were so this, many. Because they didn't have a lot of footage. It was just her on the bed calling Matt. Uh-huh. They were like, we got we to gotta fluff this up. And my favorite entire part is when. Her sibling says, mm-hmm. so how's it going with Matt? And she just looks at him like, 
fuck you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that. And he, he started goes, laughing. Okay. He's like, yeah. That because already, keep it, one, oh, a producer sorry, told him to ask that question, yeah. first of all. A producer told him to ask that question. <laughs> Probably <laughs> after her telling the producer, I don't want to talk about it. It was nothing Secondly, because of the way Valerie is, she's super spoiled. The way she talks mm-hmm. to her mom is crazy. She seems to be a center of that family. Um, she has well, special food in the refrigerator that's just for her. And I'm sure her and Matt is the top of a conversation all the fucking time there. And I'm sure that kid's like, I know how it is. Not good. Yeah. He's never answered the phone. Like, it's- <laughs> Here's the thing, the sad truth about, like, teenage drug addicts, and this extends into adulthood, but I'm just talking about, like, families with teens is that like the drug addict is always the center of attention of every family like it just is because they create the most chaos and the most strife and like the parents are obsessed with fixing the child and the other siblings like get pushed way to the wayside I mean kind of necessarily because the adults are like literally trying to save the life of that child and, uh-huh. you know, like, the bad kid, the family's just always going to revolve around the bad kid. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, like, I mean, that happens in, like, families that don't have that kind of stuff, too. Like, if you have four kids and two of them get straight A's and one gets mostly B's and one is failing, who are you rushing to? Who are you... Going, uh, who's, who's teacher conferences do you go to first? Who do you constantly talking to about school? The other ones are going to feel neglected because you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I just, I'm sure, I just, from what I tell in this short little episode, and what do they film for, like, two weeks or a week? And then they come back another week or something like that? Yeah, so I think, think, well, I think for 16 Pregnant might be a little different. I think they might film for yeah like two or three weeks and then the baby comes and they film for like a month so like just in this short time it's very clear that valerie is the squeaky wheel in that house yeah and i'm sure that kid that's asking the question is like i kind of don't want to know what's going on that because every time something is going on with her it's like all in the living room and shit and we got to go get in the car at 4 a.m and go look for her and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well and Shortly after this episode, Valerie ends up getting arrested for, like, yep. seriously physically assaulting her mom. And yeah. goes to that lockdown youth center that I was talking about at the beginning of this episode where she is just, like, I mean, she breaks her mom's vertebrae. Like, they have yeah. a serious physical fight. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I think you're actually right. Uh, I did want to talk about Valerie calls Matt. And leaves him a voicemail that says, if this whole thing doesn't, this whole thing being like her and Matt, doesn't straighten out before the baby's born, then you could just go on with your life. And at first I was like, hun, like you can't, like he doesn't have to be with you to be with like in his baby's life. But that's when I was like, oh, they're really not talking about what's going on. A.K.A. Matt is in Wilmington doing drugs and like she's uh-huh. getting really frustrated and but we're not going to say that we're going to say that it's because he doesn't want to be with me like I'm mad that he's picking up because he he's not picking up because he doesn't want to be with me but really she's mad that he's not picking up because she knows he's like doing drugs 
I see. I think that's true, but I also think it's fifty fifty. I yeah. think that she true. doesn't really care if he's doing drugs. He's doing drugs without her and not picking up the phone. And I also think that when she got pregnant, like I don't think she's like mad at him about doing the drugs. I don't. I think that the fact that he's not around and he's doing drugs is a problem. Mm-hmm. But if he were like there doing the drugs, she'd be like, I mean, it's not ideal. <laughs> he's here. And the baby will I make him change. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a baby. He's getting out of the system. And the other thing is, I mean, like, I'm a kid, you know? Like, yeah. so, but the other thing is, is that I bet you that he hadn't talked to her in a long time before she she found she was pregnant. And I'm he really he was bad. like, and she was like, I'm pregnant, so I'm not going away. Like, I bet <laughs> he even said those fucking words. And yeah. he was like, shit. Absolutely. And so, I honestly... I, I honestly think that she just wants, it hurts her that he's not giving her that attention, that he's not there. The drugs are secondary. The baby's way down the list of priorities. And she's just like, you're going to say you're with me because you are, and you're going to, and I don't know why you're not because I'm pregnant and I promise it's yours. And I think, I think besides the fact that he's like kind of like blunt with her, not gets a decent edit in this he reminds me mm-hmm. of a kyler in a way because yes. i hate the way kyler spoke to lexi but i just remember the first episode that that baby with the ugly name came home Come and on. she was <laughs> the ugly hyphenated name for no reason that you really like and i was like no it's not cool and you're like no i think it's chic and i was like no oh, it's oh, not. oh with her her grant her mom's maiden name or something right that was totally that. her mom's idea not lexi ever that her lexi's, mom was like lexi's no. weird as fuck lexi is a no. weird person she's weird no that she was her is. mom's idea her mom lexi began to like it but that was her fucking mom's idea i guarantee you they were sitting in their little sweaters pretending to be the gilmore, gilmore girls, girls. Again. <laughs> <Jinx>. <laughs> there were gilmore girls in it they were just gilmore and she's it. like, you know what? <laughs> and then Lexi's like, hmm. And then it just grew on her. I promise you, that's how it fucking went down. And then they went to Luke's for some coffee. That's what the fuck So anyway, when when Kyler when they bring that baby with the ugly name home, Kyler is holding that baby in a football hole. And I was like, whoa, he's good at this. Yeah. Whoa, he got a job. Whoa, yeah. he's telling, he's being like honest, being like. I honestly don't know what's going to happen between us. I'm going to come see the baby tomorrow. Whoa. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. I was yeah. like, I still hate his face. But the same thing happened with Matt. I was like, I don't like him, but I think he's getting a good edit here. I think, even though I think he's like totally doing heroin or meth or whatever the fuck, you know, I don't know how to do drugs. <laughs> I, yeah. for a long time, I thought you like. In 2009, he was probably doing like fucking oxys. Oh. For a long time, I thought you, like, shaved off, like, shavings of crack off the rock. You got a big rock, and then you, like, took a little oh, bit off of it. I don't know. <laughs> My drug is crazy. Smoke some crack, princess. <laughs> no, thank you. I know enough crackheads. I'm good. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, um, I did, oh, so, Josh, Josh, Matt moves to Wilmington, which they say, she goes, I don't know how he's going to be able to help me with the baby when he's living 200 miles away. Now, is that for? 
I need you to know that Oxford, according to Google Maps, because I go 200, what? Oxford, according to Google Maps, is 29.9 miles away from Wilmington. Wait, was this Oxford, Wilmington, North Carolina? No, Wilmington, Delaware. Oh, my God. Like, she lives, like, essentially at the Delaware state line. Like, yeah. I, when they, when she said 200 miles away, I was like, what? That, it, no. Like, she lives so fucking close to Delaware. Oxford is right next to Del, right by Delaware. Like, she, I mean, right now I'm sitting 25 minutes away from Delaware. Like, we are... <laughs> closely located when? to the state of Delaware. Like she She wasn't in school. Why do you even expect her to know? I guess like MTV this? like but there's no way that she did not know that Wilmington was 45 minutes away from her cuz everyone in this area knows how close Delaware is because we go there to buy tax-free appliances and liquor. Like people <laughs> drive to Delaware cuz Delaware doesn't have that uh, sales tax. So she, like she there's no she way they don't like go to Walmart in Wilmington she with her family. She when, I think MTV <laughs> told her to say that, and she was probably like, "What? Two hundred? No, I guess because probably, then also she, she goes, my best friend lives two hundred miles away, and then I look that up because I was like, you in Pennsylvania? I'm like, where the fuck is that? And then that's in New Jersey, but they put it as Pennsylvania." <laughs> Also, not I, 200 miles away. It's like an hour maybe and a half away. Maybe she's like me and she can't, like, estimate measurements. Well, maybe. <laughs> like, but when she said <laughs> Wilmington was 200 miles away, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> oh, poor girl. Looking oh, stupid she, on TV. Okay. Truly. Like, and it was such a weird throw detail. Yeah. Like, yeah. she could have just been like, he's moving an hour away. I think we all would have understood the enormity, even though it... That would have been an exaggeration, an hour. But, like, I think we would have all understood, like, an hour is a significant amount of distance for these kids without cars. I did want to say that Valerie is probably one of the episodes where I felt like we least... The baby was, like, the least important thing in this entire storyline. Yep. I feel like... who Was the baby even there? Like, did we even see the baby? Like... Yeah, we saw the baby. <laughs> but, do you, like, I feel like before the baby was born, we didn't, we barely, there was no talk of who will watch the baby. How will you pay for the baby? How are you going to care for the baby? How no, are you going to get around with the baby? there was. Well, there was briefly. because she wanted to go to school. Yeah, now, and then her I think the reason we didn't talk about her. I, a reason, that's, that's, I think her mom works at the homeschool co-op, right? Because her mom was uh, there. No, I think her mom, I would guess the homeschool co-op was probably just, she probably only goes there for, like, under two hours at a time. You know what I mean? Like, Uh two or three times a week. My guess would be that the co-op was, like, especially if it's for all of, well, no, it would probably just just be for the school district, which isn't, like, huge. But I would guess the co-op was probably, like, far enough away from the house because they live out in the sticks that, like, it didn't make sense for her mom to drive back home. And then come back to get her. Like, if she was only going there for two hours, they live a half an hour away. Like, well, I'm not going to drive all the way home and then come back and get you. So that's probably, like, why she came inside would be my guess. I think her mom probably just doesn't work. She might be retired. So why didn't she watch the baby when she went back to high school? Because I think that just wasn't – that's true. I'm wondering if maybe her mom works part-time or – Something. Yeah, maybe, There's something like 
probably church related probably yeah <laughs> probably not really, like yeah where she like works for yeah she might work for the church three days a week from 11 to 2 like the exact times that you wouldn't be able to watch the baby um, oh, yeah. or she maybe like the dad might own a business oh she did she does work because she said I'm taking a, the first week off okay so her mom works and yeah, because remember she said I'm taking the first week off and then the dad said and I'll take the second week off if you need it and Valerie goes dad you don't know anything about babies and her mom's <laughs> like he was around for all of them like, yeah. like her dad's wait, like, wait. literally offering to take off work to like help raise her child in the first as an infant yeah. and Valerie's like go to work idiot like yeah and he's like 70 years old <laughs> and like you should just said thank you and then then not bring it up again that's what you should have done so maybe but, she okay. does work at the homeschool co-op or she probably just does something that's like not high key demanding so she was able to give Valerie a lot of help but still uh-huh. not be, like, the full-time caretaker for the, the infant child. Okay. So that makes sense. So she so she does talk about that because she keeps talking about she wants to go back to school. She misses her friends. Um, do you think her school is far from her house? Mm, she probably lives, like, 20 minutes away from her school. She probably went to Concordville. Okay, so not... She probably lives, okay. like, close-ish. But, like, mm-hmm. also, like, further than I live from my high school. But, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, not, like, crazy. Not, like, Leah's daughters who live, like, nine hours away from their school. <laughs> yeah, they have to take a snack on the way to school. Yeah. You know, this, when I thought about this, this made me think of that one sixteen and pregnant girl. And you, I'm not going to learn it. You probably will. It's the one that graduated college. Um, she lived, oh, she Isabella. was Catholic. Isabella. And her yeah. mom, she had the perfect sub. Her mom ran a date home daycare. And her mom, she just like Ugh, bought the baby at home so daycare. Much help. Right. They lived in that in-law suite in the baby. I think she still lives there. She still lives. They have like two kids now or three kids. Two kids. And they're she divorced. Gra- Are she they? Gradu- yeah, oh. they got divorced. And Isabel like posted. Right after they announced these, like, she graduated. Yeah, posted yeah. these like professional pictures like with the announcement. It was very weird. Yeah. But she, like, had her shit together, and she was, like, not telling anybody. I don't know. She was just, like, the most ambitious of all the yeah. girls. And, and she was just, like, the most support. So, well, her parents were kind of strict, but they were just, like, we got you. We got yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, they You're were well off. Fine. They were well off. Yeah, enough. they were well They were. Yeah. I mean, her mom worked. She ran an in-home daycare, so it's not like they were, like, loaded, loaded. But they were yeah. a solid middle-class family. They could afford to feed another child. And yeah. they could afford to give Isabel, like, literally everything she needed emotionally and financially so that she could succeed in life. And they were religious, too. Yeah. But I just thought it was so, I was like, that's who Valerie needed. Valerie needed a mom who was just like, okay, head on back to school. Drop that baby right here. My son's going to be yeah. here in a moment. <laughs> but that wouldn't have worked either because she would have went back to school and just been soaking pot at school. And skipping oh, school. You're right. And that's what her parents no, 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 said. Right. They were like, well, why? They're like, you're getting straight A's in homeschool. Like, homeschooling's working for you. Like, why mm-hmm. would you want to go back to school? And Valerie said something that I thought was very interesting. And she said, I have the baby. Like, I'm pregnant. Isn't that punishment enough? Like, do you need to take everything away from me? And I'm yes. wondering if. So did she get expelled or did they pull her out of school because she got pregnant or like how strict were the consequences actually, or is Valerie that spoiled 
that she can't understand that, like, she had to leave school because she was suspended. And they even said, if you go back to school, you're going to have to repeat ninth grade. And you're on track to graduate on time if you stay in the homeschool. So I'm curious, like, I'm I think curious. she was in homeschool before she got pregnant. I think she was yeah, in homeschool before she got pregnant. I wouldn't be surprised or if, I mean, it, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe, like, after, like, Christmas break, uh, freshman year, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, you got to start homeschool. Like, either we're letting you know, like, you literally cannot pass ninth grade because you have not come to school. And they were like, yeah. okay, well, we'll, ha- we'll homeschool her. Yeah. And also, keep in mind that I don't know what it's like there, but in all the states I've lived in, um, you can go to jail if your kid doesn't go to school and, and yeah. you don't officially take them out and say you're homeschooling them. And it's not like you have to send a letter and you have to, and there's some things, some paperwork you need to submit. But if you just oh like, God. the kid doesn't go to school, you can go to jail. <laughs> Janelle, I can't remember if I talked about this last week on Feathers My Hair, but Janelle and David are now homeschooling Marissa, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I guess in North Carolina, when you, like, register to homeschool your child, you, like, pick a name for the school, like, your house. (laughs) And it, like, Mm -hmm. they picked, like, some stupid funny name, but it's, like, it's so funny to think, like, that every homeschool child, like, has a school name for their house. Yeah, and they have, like, using print badges and stuff, because if you homeschool your kids, you still get, you get a teacher discount. You get a school discount. It's not the, not, you don't get the, the tax you know, the yeah. no sales tax things. But you, if Microsoft is offering half off for students and you are homeschooling someone oh. or half off for teachers, you get the discount for homeschooling. And it's, it's really hard to prove you're homeschooling. So like, I Microsoft did, is never going to call you and ask for that. I felt, I felt sad for Valerie in those moments when she was in that homeschool room. Like that was depressing as fuck. It was like her was- and an old lady like, sitting one inch apart from each other, like, so close, and, I mean, she was getting tutoring, basically, it's not a bad setup, but I, like, felt just, like, myself at 15, and, like, how I would have, much I would have fucking hated that. Sure, and also, that lady seems like she wasn't up for that shit, like, she was like, Valerie, I ain't taking your shit today, bitch, like, that's how, that's how she approached Valerie, like, she's like, okay, Let's get to it. <laughs> like, I was kind of surprised that she was being homeschooled in a situation like that and that she didn't go to a, um, like an alternative school. In Is there one around there? Yeah. Yeah. In Pennsylvania. So basically like when you get expelled from school, you're usually sent to like, like my ex-boyfriend graduated from one they might have, would have, maybe, it might be for the whole county. Um, and you go, like, three days a week for, like, three hours each time. And it's, like, kind of like homeschooling. But, like, you have, you know, you're responsible for getting your work done. But it's still, like, a technical school. Like, his mom, like, graduated high school for him. Because, like, she just, like, did all his homework and all his work. Uh, because it wasn't like regular, you had to turn in like packets, you know, like, yeah, here's our packet, yeah. like proving that I did this semester of history, for example. And so his mom just like did all the packets for him. Um, Why did she do it? Was she doing it because she wanted him to graduate or was she thinking she was helping him? Uh, both, especially uh. like at that point, she probably truly believed he was help. she was helping him. 
Because, I mean, he was, like, an IV drug addict at this point. Uh, like, when, like in like... high school, he was an IV drug addict. So I think, like, she was so in over her fucking head that she just, like, was doing anything she could to... You know what I mean? Like, she was... Yeah. Part of it, she, like, wanted him to graduate. I mean, they're, like, a very rich, successful family. Like, not graduating from high school, I think, would have been too much of an embarrassment for her. But I don't... Yeah. I don't think it was that was like the driving force i think she was just like had no clue what to do with her heroin addicted teenage son who had already been to like multiple rehabs by that point and just like i don't know if i would have done it differently for that you know right like you just like you're like okay he's like addicted to drugs of course i want him to have a high school degree so when he gets sober like he has his high school degree it's not going to help him if he doesn't have his high school degree, it's just going to hurt him in the long run. And I know in my heart, he's going to be sober one day. And yeah. like that day is going to be like next week. And like, yeah. that's going to be really bad when he gets sober and he doesn't have a high school degree. So like, I'm just going to make it so he gets a high school degree. Yeah. And it's also something she can focus on. Cause like the problem oh. is super big. Yeah. I, I don't know how I, I, I honestly don't know how I handle if one of my kids was a Valerie. I don't know how I do that. I know a ton of people who have kids in, like, residential treatment centers, Mm -hmm. but there's the potential for abuse. Some of them work, some of them don't. Um, I have a lot of issues with teen residential treatment centers. Jesus Land, she goes to one, but it's, like, out of the country, which are, like, really bad. But, I mean, a lot of of these residential treatment centers, therapeutic boarding schools, if you will, they get... They get shut down, but then at some point, it's like, well, do you have to send your kid away, like for the good of the rest of the family? It's yeah, I don't. Those wilderness I don't know how ones. We, oh, mm. I have a lot of kids dying. I know a lot. I know a lot of people. So I mean, and this is relevant to this episode. So in rehab, I met a lot of people who had been in and out of facilities since they were like young teenagers. Sure. Um, because. You know, I went into treatment when I was 25, so most of the people that, like, I hung around with were my age or younger and had been in and out of facilities for a very long time. Uh, My old roommate, who's five years sober now, I think, started going to rehab when she was, like, 13, uh, like, was on methadone, like, the day she turned 18, like, was the youngest patient in her seat to get put on Suboxone when Suboxone had just come out. Uh, stuff like that. So I've known a lot of people who have been in and out of treatment since young kids. And some of them have like horrific stories because they go to these outward bound camps and like uh-huh. they're not allowed to leave. It's locked down facilities. Um, some of them aren't licensed. Yeah, some they're not licensed. licensed. They're a like rehab. They super shady. Yeah. They're relig- a lot of them are religious based. It's not. I don't know. I don't know what you do with Valerie with a case like that. I don't Valerie. know what you do with Valerie either. It's and very scary because most likely my guess would be that also Valerie maybe wasn't bad enough to go to rehab then. You know, sure. like she's not she like, may, I mean, people and well, maybe she is because she did get arrested. Never mind. <laughs> also, like I wouldn't be surprised if before her six, excuse me, her sixteen pregnant episode, she had been smoking a lot of weed had been drinking maybe was doing some ecstasy maybe was like doing some coke but like probably you know like would take a pill every once in a while but like probably wasn't in like any sort of full-blown opiate addiction and it's like do you send your kid to rehab for that 
because sometimes you send your kid to rehab for that. And I actually, so the teen girl that I was talking about at the beginning of this episode, they had, she'd been smoking a lot of weed. Uh, it was this whole thing and they made her go to intensive outpatient meetings and they were so fucking bad for her because she was a bad kid. I mean, I hate to say that, but she was. She was a kid who wanted to be bad because she wanted to act out because of her situation. Right, she was acting out. And she would go to these meetings, and she was not a drug addict. She had been smoking weed because of, like, the circumstances that she was in. And she would go to these meetings with these other teens that were, like, drug addicts and would hear what Mm -hmm. they would say. And she'd be like, well, I want to do that. I want to do that. Like, we send, like, a minor person to... um... Like someone who, has, who committed a minor crime, when you send them to big boy prison, and they learn mm-hmm. about how to be a real criminal at that point. Exactly. And that's what that's like. So, do you send a kid like Valerie to go be with people who are smoking crack? Like, I don't know, because even I when know I either. was in rehab at twenty five, like I would hear people talk about like the drugs they did, and I was like, "Well, I never got to do that. Like, yeah. I want and yeah. I want to do that because I still have a drug addicted that brain." Fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. I, I, I don't know. I, Damn. <laughs> literally. Um, also, who knows if she'd be safe there. I'm actually going to send you an article that I read really recently about um, these uh, nun-ran orphanages and, mm-hmm. like, how they would kill children there and, like, beat them and do all these things to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, like, people... They were talking about how kids got taken there by by the state sometimes, but a lot of people who couldn't take care of their kids would just, like, drop them at these orphanages and think they were going to get homes and stuff, and they would, like, ask... They, people tell stories of um, nuns, like, directing other children to rape them. They One man had a, had a disfigured penis because uh, oh. a nun had taken him in the closet and molested him and then cut him. Or his genitals, like, like, I just, I'm not saying, I don't want anybody there who, like, uses residential treatment centers or, like, works in one or whatever to be offended or anything, but you know there's tons of shit going on. Just like, there are great rehabs and there are really shady ones where the dude's, like, prostituting the, the, the women there in the rehab. Like, literally, and, literally prostituting yeah, the women in the van is sober Yeah, that, there was yeah. just a big case about that. So His like, name is Kenny Chapman. You can Google yeah. Kenny Chapman and read it. Like, Yeah, like, this is, like, so, you're right. I don't know if Valerie would be safe there. I don't know if she'd get worse there. I just, I don't know. I guess part of the thing, reason, like, people make fun of me, especially my family, especially because black people are not about therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, go to church, be yeah, strong. God will, God will heal it. <laughs> Watch Black Panther. <laughs> you will be so better. Well, I think I think that yeah. when you come from a community that has had a lot of suffering, it's like, why do you need to go to therapy? We all we all deal with this shit. Yes, this is something we all have to do with. So pe- people in my family make fun of me all the time, but all of my kids are in therapy, and it's because yeah. I I always say like I just want you to have someone else to talk to. I want a professional that's like, hey, this is totally normal for that this is totally like um average for their age this is some but this isn't and i I just that's all i want i just want some i want them to feel comfortable having and i do unlike janelle and jace their therapist does not tell me what they say Mm -hmm. i 
I go in, I, I maybe talk like five minutes about just how the week was and that leads to where they're going to go with the kids. But they don't tell me anything or if they want to tell me something, they'll come out and they'll be with the kids. They'll be like, hey, can I, can I talk to your mom about that one thing? Remember I asked you? And the kid, even though they've already asked him in the room, they will give her permission again in front of me and then mm-hmm. she'll say, well, I want to tell you about this. And we decided, me and the child, we were talking about it in there. And we kind of came up with this solution and we need your help to do this. And that's how she broaches it. It's not like a tattletale sort of thing. I want them to have with somebody. I don't think that's going to, that's not the magic, the silver bullet, but I just want help. And I don't know that Valerie's parents had any help with her. No. I don't think they had anywhere to turn to. I think they went to church a lot and they, I don't know, they took her to Gold Corral. And bought Valerie her was, <laughs> Valerie was very emotionally isolated. Um, yes. I think that she felt very alone. I think that she had maybe one or two, like, genuine friends. Then she had, yeah. like, that girl that she went to Target with who was like, I miss my partner in crime. And I'm like, oh, That's God. a big thing, but yeah. That was like, big. That's, <laughs> that's not good. That's not, like, that's not good. Um, I just don't think that Valerie had a lot of people that she could confide in about her true feelings and I think that caused her just like really acting out and I just it's so sad how first of all how quickly she died like she was dead seven years after this episode you know like she died quickly like she (sighs) progressed very quickly she was getting arrested like I think within I mean, she was still minor when she got arrested for the first time. So within three years of this episode airing, and then she just, like, continuously had trouble. Um, by the way, I think we're, like, off of recapping this episode. I think, for me at least, it's oh. a lot more interesting to just talk about uh, our thoughts yeah. and feelings on the episode. I don't think we need to, like, go back to a scene-by-scene, scene, even though I suggest everybody watch this episode because it was, like, very interesting and very good. But, um... I think this is personally more interesting to me. Uh, although we will talk about the baby going to NICU because I thought that was an interesting part. But I just, Valerie is somebody that, like, when I watched this episode, I could, like, feel her pain. <laughs> like, yeah. I could, in a way that was different than some of the other girls. Some of the girls, you feel their pain because, like, they're 16 and pregnant, and that sucks. <laughs> Um, Uh and they have, like, shitty parents, but Valerie, you could just, like, feel that, like, when she talked about wanting to go to school, that was so sad to me, because it was so obvious that she just, like, felt so fucking alone, and was just so, and it was, it was, uh, this happens to a lot of the girls, that they, they don't go back to school, uh, and Mm -hmm. they're like, well, I'm lonely, but there was just something so upsetting about Valerie and like her I think maybe because she was so young and like there was such a long stretch of time because a lot of these girls it's like well I'm gonna have to finish out my senior year at home you know what I'm like but Valerie is like her 10th 11th and 12th grades like there's years of time before she'll be graduating and getting a full-time job and moving on with her life like, and just tons of, like, stuff you normally do in high school that she would never get to do because um, she, I, I mean, I, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world to ever happen to anybody, but I'm just saying that, like, she seems like a type of girl that was, like, 
really into going to football games and really in like yeah. would care about prom and stuff. And those things aren't going to happen for her. I also think that when she got when she first started, so we're just assuming that she started homeschool before she got pregnant because that's the way it seems. Maybe a couple of months before they realized she was pregnant. Yeah, and but sometimes she, like significantly before they started filming. Right, and so she. I can imagine that when she first realized she couldn't go back to school and she was going to homeschool, she was like, yeah, I don't have to go yeah. back to school. And oh. then she was like, fuck, this is not what I thought. It she was, said I thought it. I thought to get up. She, <laughs> no, she said to her, her friend goes, well, what do you miss about school? And she said, getting up in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's depressing. Because you know she just, like, probably sleeps in and gets up and, like, nothing's happening. <laughs> Like, yeah. there's just, like, nothing happening in her life. Right. She's super bored. She's probably watching a lot of TV, calling Matt constantly. He's not calling her back. Or, and I I never understood why she wouldn't just text him, but maybe it was the year. I was like, just text him and tell him you're going to labor. Why did you call him knowing he doesn't take your phone calls, but he's going to look at the fucking text and be like, oh, shit, let me get there. What, like... She <sighs> was really... I, she did also talk a lot about how Matt was her first love. I mean, I don't think she said her first, like, guy she had sex with. But she talked a no. lot about her first love and how she needed to be with him because he was the first guy she ever loved. And I think Valerie is a classic case of someone that just, like, fucking hates herself and has, like, no self-esteem at all and just is so desperate for outside validation that she Mm -hmm. like has this like I wonder if her and Matt ever even said I love you to each other well remember she's on the phone she's like you can't I'm not just a terrible person we had a good blah 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 and I think that oh she said like don't you still care about me and he said yeah Yeah. but like I don't did he say I love you at all in this episode she said don't you still love me and he says yeah you know I still Oh, love you. Like he he paused, and then he was like, "But you know, I can't." And I also think that when people are attracted to people who don't like them, like mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like someone can love yeah. you and not like you, think you're a shitty person. When people are attracted to people who talk to them that way and who does don't like them, it's because they think that way about themselves too. And here is someone validating how you oh. feel that I'm a terrible person. Or I'm not good enough for this, and they're 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 te- they're telling me what I think to be true, and that's what attracts you to them. And so then, what you think is if you can get them to feel a different way, then then it will be true. Like it's it's like deep head game shit. And yeah. so him not wanting to be with her made him made her want to be with him even more. Yeah, which I would which, love. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go no, go ahead. I said I would love to have like an honest conversation with one of her siblings and yeah. find out like really what like the racial identity politics in their home were and like yeah. what the makeups of their school were and how I mean at that baby shower like there was one other black person there you know like Sienna was her black friend that's yeah. who Sienna was yeah, yeah. and I noticed some of her mom's friends were there. Like, there were no other black women there. Um, well, sure. And I wonder, like, how that affected her and her self-esteem. And I do think that that was 
obviously MTV wasn't going to give us that. But I do wonder, like, how the transracial adoption stuff affected her. And I wouldn't be surprised if her parents were like, well, we don't see color, you know, and just oh, yeah. like, completely ignored it and expected Valerie to just get it. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And if that was the same for, like, all of her siblings. And I don't see how you, like, possibly could grow up in that situation and not be affected by that at all. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I think that is another, like, piece of this dysfunctional puzzle for Valerie. Yeah. And it's very sad that I feel like watching this episode, I didn't come away with, like, a lot of positives I could name no. about Valerie's life. Okay. Well, this is going to piss some of the listeners off. But I'm going to say, because I'm, I'm here for the spicy takes, okay? Okay. But Valerie and Randall from This Is Us have a lot in common, okay? When I watch This Is Us, everyone loves that couple. Everyone loves that dad. Everyone loves that mom. But have you seen that show? No, but I understand the premise of it, and I know there let are me, racial issues, right? But let me tell you what happens. Okay, so you know they're having triplets and a baby's yeah, abandoned yeah, yeah. it, and, and the so dad's just pick like, up let's take them home. Because they're like, our that baby is, died. Let's get yeah, the black one. That, I watched three episodes before I could figure out whether they liked Randall. Because I was like, why are these other kids named Kate and Kevin and his name's Randall? Why? <laughs> and he's the black yeah, why do they do what? that? He didn't come because with a name. He was abandoned. They originally right? were going to give him Kyle, which was the name of the dead baby, by oh, the way. Which is that but then she found out who dropped him and found his dad dropped him off the hospital found his dad and his dad was like give him something from me and his oh. dad like wrote poetry and she Spoiler gave the name alert. and never told him. yeah but <laughs> well, i mean we just ruined from, this like, is the us. third season calm down <laughs> but i'm just saying like some of the stuff they kept doing i was just like you don't like him <laughs> is that why you're doing yeah. this to him you keep you are not acknowledging he's a black person. Is that because you don't like him? And so I think people think they're being really nice about those things, but super hard to raise someone in rural Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a friend that um, grew up in rural New Hampshire, and she said her brother was the only black person for, like, 70 miles. <laughs> and I said, how'd that work out? She was like, um, not great. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's very just, selfish when like terrible. families adopt black children into these white like what's the word homogeneous but how do you pronounce that homogenous yeah. communities um you see it a lot like in utah because mormons really like to adopt and yeah, yeah, like, thing. yeah and like these poor kids are just like forced to be the only black person that they know i so i, I grew up with a friend effort. that was yeah i well i grew up okay i grew up with a friend i think we've talked about this that uh my best friend from when i was little was is a black woman that was adopted by two white moms and one was like a staunch atheist the other one was jewish and they like joined a black baptist church and like yeah had a whole like like literally a woman that my friend called her grandmother and aunts and uncle like it like the pastor of the church uh like basically adopted them like as their family and they would like travel together and they would get her black dolls and just like i mean like went really out of their way to make sure that she had like a black identity that was outside of their family uh and 
it really helped, but she still had a ton of fucking issues, like a ton of issues. And I think it's unavoidable. And the reality is, is like they took her in a foster care situation. She came from a drug addicted mother who she had like seven biological. So like her life is significantly better because she was adopted by these two white women in every Mm -hmm. way. Like, do not get me wrong. That was four of the best. She had two loving mothers. Like she went to private schools. Like she was taken care of, but there were, and she would have had issues had she not been adopted. You know what I like? So yeah, we're not saying worse, don't adopt but... black children. We're saying that it takes more effort and you can't just like run away to a rural town, Pennsylvania, yeah. and then like ignore what's happening. You, you're going to have to do things that you wouldn't have been able, that you wouldn't have had to do if you adopted a child that was your race and that lived the same race as most of the people in your community. And yeah. they eventually did that in This Is Us. They found a black family, well, a black family found them and was like, um, you're not treating doing his hair right, <laughs> and, and basically they had he had play dates and stuff, and that's good. I wish I'm well. We don't know what Valerie's parents did. We really we don't. don't know because they don't talk we about don't. it. But the fact that there's no black people at the party is not a great sign. Okay, yeah. it's just not exactly. So I do want to talk about when Baby Nevaeh heaven spelled backwards. I hate um, that name. I, I fucking hate that name. It's not good. It's the dumbest name. And yes, my name is Princess. And I'm going to say it's dumb. It is. First of all, we don't need to spell things backwards to come up with new words. And the veil (laughs) is not cute. It's not cute at all. It sounds like Nivea. Yes. It sounds like Nivea. And I just. (laughs) Nivea is a prettier name, actually. (laughs) It is. And also, like. Nevea is such a we're young and don't yes. realize this is dumb. I used to date somebody who had a son named Cavassian, named after the liquor. <laughs> and he had his son. Cavassian or Cavassier? Cavassian. They, they <laughs> add the on at the end. They felt like that made it even fancier. Remember the song Passa Cavassier? Love that song. <laughs> and I just told, and I, he was telling me about it, and I was like, how old were you? And he's like, oh, I was 15 when I had my son. And yeah. his mother was 15. I was like, oh, that makes there are no adults yeah. in that room. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, um, when I was in high school, I had a personal trainer because my mom had a lot of oh, issues yes. and wanted me to That's be That's right. Um, the Weight Watchers yeah, um, yeah, journey. Yeah, this, <laughs> is like, this is like after it. Um, but actually, it was great. It like, taught me how to work out. But um, he had a daughter. That was named, and he hated it. That was named Heaven Lee. Like the baby's middle name was Lee, and the first name was Heaven. And I was it like, was "Your daughter? name is Heaven." And he was like, "Yeah, the mom name." Like I don't know why he like didn't have a say in naming the baby. He's like, "I call her Lee." <laughs> well, he didn't have a say probably because he wasn't married to her. And yeah, like... I don't. I don't know if he was in the picture. I think he was actually near from where Valerie was from in Oxford. It, I think he even said, he's like, I know it's a white trash name. I was like 16. I think I had an inappropriate relationship with my trainer. Like, Wait, not like whoa. sexual. No, no, but like, like on a, like, he was probably like 30 and I feel like we were. He was talking to you like a sh- like an adult. I'd be like, I smoked so much because we would like talk about my diet and I'd be like, I got really stoned and ate a lot of ice cream and he would like laugh about it, but like I was in 10th grade. Like, I was like well, a child. Isn't Kevin Lee the name of Lisa Vanderpump's stereotype? Um, uh, Kevin Lee? Yeah, but this is heaven. Like, oh my God. is spelled for. 
this is a girl. She no, just no, randomly no, no, no. named the Who called Katie fat? No, not Kevin Lee. Okay, then you have white Welcome trash. to our Vanderpump Rules podcast. <laughs> All no, right, no, no, go no. on. Let's talk about Kevin Lee. And he was like, that's a, I think he even called it like a white trash name. And I was like, true. He was yeah, like, true. we were like, we were like two closest friends like, for me being yeah. like, fi- like a cool 15. I definitely didn't have a driver's license yet because my mom would drive me to and from the gym. So I, I was in 10th grade. So oh, I wasn't God. 16 yet. But it was like, wasn't inappropriate like sexually at all. Like no, no, not no. at all I like that. Sure. It was just like, we like looking back, I'm like, mm, but I guess like what, I mean, we, I think I trained for an hour at a time. Like what else were we going to do? But like talk like friends. I don't know. I always have well, very yeah. weird. Per- Anytime I have a personal trainer, my last one that I had in Florida, like was a drug addict. It was like, it was wild. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was, but I really Wait, liked why did you have? Why did you have Be- a drug addict tra- trainer? I, because we why like just got paired together by LA Fitness. And like, I told him I was in recovery. And then like, I kind of started to assume that he was a drug addict. And then like, <laughs> One day I came in and he was like, he was like, I went to a meeting today. And I was like, great. I'm so happy for you. And then he would like constantly relapse. And it was like crazy. He was crazy. Wait, he would tell you he relapsed or like oh, yeah. you just know? Yeah. No, no, no. We would like talk about it. And once he, um, it's really funny. Once he like was sick or something, like withdrawing and he was being really mean and like yelled at me the whole time. And at the end I was like. Uh, just so you know, like, I don't respond well to yelling. I had a dad who yelled, and I don't like to be yelled at. And if you ever yell at me again, I will never train with you, and I will walk right out of this gym. <laughs> and he was like, what? I was like, just don't do that. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'm just, like, having a bad day. Like, I'm sick. Like, okay, like, I'm withdrawing. <laughs> it's a mess. He's still a mess, I think. And you were just like, okay, show me how to do these bins. Yeah, I mean, he was, like, a good personal trainer. Like, he was fit. Like, (laughs) You know, I think that's super interesting because I don't think I know. I know lots of drug addicts, but I don't know drug addicts in a professional capacity in which we interact professionally, but I know that they're drug addicts, and I'm also like, yeah, 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 we did this. By the way, I know you were withdrawing, but don't talk to me that way. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's... I don't know if, like, I can think of any... Mm, that's not... I. No, I think it's just one of those things that, like, when you're a drug addict yourself, you... Mm-hmm. If you're using, you find out people are because then you're, like, sharing drugs. Okay. Or if you're recovered, you find out people are because then they, like, eventually come to you for, like, help and uh, advice. So... Because uh, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever known people like that before, but, like, that's not true because, like, I was one of those people and, like you would just like find the other people who worked in the restaurant that also did drugs. Like I worked at, um, this country club and I worked in like this snack bar that was like out on the golf course. They called it the halfway house, which is kind of ironic. And (laughs) like it was after the ninth hole. And so I had to get there at like six in the morning to open it up. And the lady who cleaned was (laughs) like, had a Percocet script, and, like, I don't even know how we started trading, but, like, we just, I would give her my Adderall, and she would give me Percocet, like, like, 
Like, I don't even know, like, how we first, like, got there, but we did. Like, she was probably like, I'm really tired. And I was like, do you want an Adderall? And then I was probably like, my back hurts. And she's like, do you want a Percocet? Well, I always quote you with this because this is the first time you were the first person ever said this in front of me. And not in front of me, but you're the first one I heard say Mm -hmm. this. And it, like, clicked all these, like, unanswered questions for me. You said... When you see people that don't belong together <laughs> and they're like friends or they're like chill together, it's because they're drug friends. And like, <laughs> you will be drug friends with the strangest people, and what you have in common is drugs. And I was like, fuck, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I, when I used to work in restaurants, I'd be like, dude, how, how do they know each other? Why are they always in the car together? They don't even, what's, <laughs> and that's true. It's so, so true. So now, Anytime I used to like, find on the sit. street, and I'm like, how do people know each other? I'm like, oh, those are drug addicts. They're doing drugs together, guys. <laughs> I used to like sit and like stare at people at their house and think like, I fucking hate you. Like in my head, <laughs> I'd be like, I hate you. I, like chanting it in my head, but like would be there for hours. Like because it was just like, I mean, they would give me free drugs or like. We had, like, a perfect trade going on, but, like, I did not like them. <laughs> there was a reason for you to be there, but yeah. you did not like them as a person. Yeah, like, um. it, there was a reason that overpowered, like, my pure hatred for the person. And that's why I can't do drugs, because, like, I'm super picky about who I'm around. Oh, my God, And I would princess. be, like, the bougiest get... drug user. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I don't like him. You his, like, I don't I like him. These... He doesn't get his needles from the same place as me. And I these drug dealers, and they'd like come over to your house, and they'd like stay in your house for like so yes. long. And you're like, I, I need to that. leave. Or like you would like, go to their house, and then they would like pour their heart out to you, and you're like, Can you just sell me my weed? Like, I don't want to talk to like, you. Do drug dealers like when they sell it to you? Do they also expect you kind of like to do a little with them? I've seen that sometimes. It depends. Like I had some like pot dealers who were just like my friends from high school. And so, uh-huh. like, I liked it when they came, like, they would come over and we'd, like, watch a movie and smoke pot or, like, do whatever other drugs they, like, happened to have. But it was, like, fine because they were, like, legitimately my friends. And it was, like, oh, you're coming over, like, will you just bring me this, this, and this? But, like, come over and hang. Um, I always like buying heroin the best because most heroin dealers, like, at least if you're buying in cities, are, like, businessmen. Like, you call one number, and they're like, okay, we'll meet you on this corner at this time. You tell them what car you're in. Somebody drives up, and, like, you roll down your window. You give them the money. You get They give you the dope, the dope, and you drive away. We used to have this one dealer we would meet that we would roll down the window, and he would throw the drugs into our car. <laughs> we would throw the money back at him, like – literally like never even like wouldn't even like he didn't want to shit him. to do with you he yeah just, he like, didn't want shit to do well because and also it was like so shady because like we're like it was always me and my friend like two white kids like in the city and like he's a black yeah. guy like it's just like in certain areas right, yeah. of the city like why else would we be to get like cops know you know what i mean like there's no other reason for us to be in this area of the city like there's no reason we'd be interacting yeah like it's just it's just the oh, reality man. And See, I would want them. I wouldn't want to share, and I would want them to get away from me as quickly as possible. And I wouldn't want to have like conversations and stuff. Yeah. I used to live with this girl who she's a teacher. She actually like was one of those people in a Big Brother Big Sister program, and she mm-hmm. used to smoke weed with the little sister, and she used to do a lot of coke. And her That's weed, her, deal, her not her dealer. 
that Solar Wolfing's name was black, and he was a very dark, black-skinned man with gold teeth. Mm-hmm. And he was always coming over to see her, and she told the neighbors that was like my boyfriend. And I was like, "Was she excuse white?" Me? Yeah, she was white. I was like, "So she just me? told him that was your black boyfriend?" Yeah, and I was like, "They're both she was black." Like, it just makes more like, it just makes sense for you to know him than me to know him. I was like, "You're a drug dealer who looks <laughs> like a drug dealer and walks like a drug dealer and drives a drug dealer car." It makes more sense to know me. <laughs> The person who doesn't do drugs, she's like, Princess, don't take it too seriously. Not that big of a deal. Do you want some of this Coke? No! I want you to stop. We did have one heroin dealer that I loved, and we would, like, bring him food sometimes. Like, on Thanksgiving, we brought him a plate of food. Well, that's nice of you. I mean, really. That wasn't the one you threw, that threw heroin into the car, right? No, no, no. (laughs) He would, like, walk up. And actually, it was, uh, it's really sad. It was, like, a, so, this was, like, the best, they had, like, the best heroin. And you would, in the mornings, the dealer would, like, send out, basically, mass texts to all his clients from, like, whatever phone number he was using. And be like, I'm good. uh, Because some days, like, they'd be out. Not okay. always, but, like, some days. So this is, like, how it worked for us, at least. Um, I mean, you can, like, drive into certain areas of Philly and, like, roll down your window and, like, ask people to get you heroin, and they will. But uh, this is a better way to buy heroin if you have. Wait, could you see other people's phone numbers? No, no, no. So they would send oh. it out in a way that, like. Oh, good. <laughs> like, it was, like, a, like, they would send out, like, I think they'd just, like, go through like copy and paste something like go through their whole you know what i mean like the oh, whole phone book all right cool 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 um a little privacy here thanks <laughs> yeah and i mean they probably didn't have like they probably had like 70 people they were doing that for which is you know oh. like it wouldn't take that long to do um so they would send out a text like i'm good i've got this this and that like i've got this bat like heron bags have stamps on them uh, mm-hmm. which, like, identify what it is, except, like, that also doesn't mean anything. But, like, they'd be, like, I've got black stamp bags. But they would have, like, like, I have dog bags because it would have, like, a dog stamped on it or something. Okay. But it's, like, also meaningless because, like, who fa- what? how would I know what's, like, actually in that bag? You could have the, you know what I mean? You could have, like, three different cut batches, like, in matching bags. But anyway... So they'd send you these texts, and then you would text back when you were, like, going into the city, and then you would call them and be like, okay, I'm going to be there this time, I'm in this car, and then usually it would be, like, one of three or four guys, and two of them were, like, a father-son duo. I don't even know how we found this out, but they were, like, a father-son duo, and they One's were so name was nice. Trayvon, the other one's name was Little Trayvon. That's no, what, how you found out. No, we definitely didn't know their name. No, we didn't know their names. It was, like, not, it wasn't, like, a situation, like, that you knew their name. Like, we would talk to them, because sometimes they would get, sometimes they would get into the car, um, like, pop into the back seat for a minute, but, like, not that often. Um, But it just, like, wasn't a, like, hey, I'm so-and-so type of situation. (laughs) And I'll be serving you today. (laughs) Yeah. um, But, like, we found out they were father-son, and they were really nice, and we really liked them because they were fast. And, like, this was the best way to buy heroin because you would go and they would like they ran this like a business like they worked shifts and they would like you know like whoever was working would have the cell phone and like they were on call and so when you came up they didn't want you loitering around their neighborhood anymore then you wanted to be there because it like attracts cops if you're sitting 
on a certain block. Like, the cops know. So they wanted you Mm. in and out really quickly. And then there were also really bad heroin dealers that, like, weren't in the city. And they were just, like, they weren't part of... I mean, I'm guessing, obviously, these guys weren't a gang. You know, it was, like, a gang selling heroin. So it was, like, very right. It was run like a business. This gang ran Mm -hmm. it like a business. There was a lot of money to be made. And then there was, like... And it was, like, the best dope you could get. And then there was shittier dope that cost less money that we would get if we didn't have as much money. And also, we didn't have to drive, like, into the city to get it. It'd be, like, in the, uh, like, surrounding suburbs uh, that was a little closer. So we would meet up with them. But they were the worst because these weren't, like, drug-dealing gangs. It was just, like, random dealers who, like... You know, like, they sold drugs, but they, like, weren't necessarily part of, like, a major heroin operation. And you would, like, call them. Not business-like. You would sit in the fucking parking lot for, like, an hour waiting for them. And we saw this one dealer that would text us and be like, I'm a true five minutes away. (laughs) That's what he used to say. (laughs) As they would just text you, I'm five minutes away, I'm five minutes away, I'm five minutes away. And as this is, like, usually, like, when you're going to pick up, like, you're sick. Like, you're dope sick. Like, you're in withdrawal. And you're just, like, dying in your car, like, waiting for them to come get you. Or, like, come and meet you. And you're just like, I just want to give these people my money and get my drugs. Oh. Wait, how far is the city from where you lived? Like, how far would you be driving if you were going to the Oh, I used to be in the car for, like, two and a half hours a day sometimes. What? Uh, It takes me, like, an hour to get into the city with... Like, so inefficient. Uh, like, extremely inefficient. Sometimes I would have, like, on payday, I would have my friend, I'd be at work, and I would leave money in my car, and my friend would pick up the money and, like, drive into the city and then, like, leave me dope, like, in my car. That was more efficient. But usually we would just, like, my, I'd meet my friend right after, it was always one friend, uh, after I got off work, and then we would just, like, drive into the city and drive back, or I'd, like, be at my house and I was living with my dad. And I'd be like, I'm going out to CVS. And I would come back, like, three hours later. <laughs> like, it was and, crazy. Uh, so, so, I mean, this tracks with what I think, like, buying drugs it can be like. It can be very business-like, but it's also, I think of it more like waiting around for people. And yeah. Un- Most like, of the time, it's, like, waiting around for people. They're unreliable. Like, they'll be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, the worst is, like, you text somebody, and you're like, are you good? And they're like, yeah, I'm good. And then they just don't fucking answer you. And you're like... Because right, once so you they like, have think it, somebody has drugs... Yeah, or they just, like, turned off their phone, or, like, they went and met up with friends, or, like, you have no fucking arrested. idea, because the reality... They got arrested. The reality is, it's like, y- the worst part about being a drug addict... Not the worst. A bad part about being a drug addict <laughs> is that, like, you are not basically like ever in control of your own time when it comes to like getting drugs okay you are on somebody else's time and And what are you gonna do you have to get your drugs you don't have a choice getting drugs is what's harder because i remember when we talked about ryan remember Mm -hmm. i put a post up i said guys i know a lot about recovery i don't know anything about buying drugs Mm -hmm. is it possible that he was spending this much on how much oh, you right, right, right. Off, guys what what could i get for this type of money and people were like giving me quite a bit of great answers they were like if you win yeah. here at this time you can get this and you came in and you were like people get do not focus on the amount of money because if you need your drugs you will get the money 
somehow yes. you overdraw your account, you'll do whatever. And you and you gave us some great examples of things you used to do, like cleaning like a an aunt's house or something. Like you were just naming oh, little I things. To, yeah, I used to like. So my money schemes, you have to remember, like, I wasn't doing heroin for that long. So I didn't, like, reach a point where I was prostituting or, like, breaking into houses. Um, But I'd been doing this for, like, longer than when I just doing heroin, like, and I needed money for pot or pills or coke or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, because I was, like, a mess even before I was doing heroin and, like, I just, like, never had money. I just, like, couldn't manage anything. But what, like, so what I would do is... And remember, I have, like, parents that can afford to do this. Like, I would clean one of my parents' houses, you know? Like, mm-hmm. one of my parents would pay me, like, $50 to clean their house. Or okay. I would um, go and, like, do errands with my grandmother, who's blind, and she would pay me. And then I would oh, – this is so awful. I would steal money out of her purse, or she would give me her, like, ATM card. And I would take out, like, an extra $60. Um, uh, okay. I would sell stuff, but, like, not anything I'd stolen. Like, just, like, on, I would eBay stuff, like, all my old Tiffany's jewelry or, you know, like, stuff like that. Um, but not, like, stuff I had stolen. Uh, how else would I get money? Like, I would get my parent. A lot of this, for me, relies on, and I would imagine for Ryan, too, is, like, I had parents that I could afford this. And I had, like, cash sources in my parents and my grandmother that makes it different than somebody like I probably would have resorted to probably prostitution more likely than stealing but that a lot quicker like if I had to because it was um, it's easier to like get money prostituting for drugs than it is for stealing because you get caught what, yeah. what, what, why would because it be like they're it, because it's just like to prostitute like you just put your an ad up on back page I mean it's changed a little bit because like back page is down but, like, you could just, like, put an ad up on Backpage and, okay. like, start making money. Um, or you, like, meet a dealer who knows how to pimp you out, essentially. Uh, I think it's how Valerie probably got in there. Or a lot of, you sure. know what I mean? Like, like you, I mean, really, a lot of women start prostituting themselves with the dealer first. That's, like, right. their first... Okay the first person and I don't think a lot of people would look at it as prostituting themselves but that's what they're doing is that they are going to blow the dealer instead of like paying you know for the bag like they work out an arrangement with the dealer I actually was in rehab with a girl and she told the story about how her dealer kept trying to convince her that she should deal and then somebody like one of the guys said you know he was doing that because he knew that you were going to like use all of the heroine and wanted you to be in like in debt to him so that like you would have to have sex with him oh that and i would never even thought about like i don't want i never yeah i was like listening to her tell the story and then the guy said that and i was like oh that makes sense so i think stealing is like for somebody that has no it's funny to say i have no criminal background because i've done like a lot of illegal things in my life but like I don't really have, like, a criminal background. You know, I've never been arrested. I never broke into anybody's house. Like, I stole from my grandmother, yes, which I've made amends for, by the way. And, um, but I've never, like, I don't know where I would start, like, robbing right. people. Exactly. So you have to, like, get a set together, and you have to have, you have to have a certain set of skills. I'm not saying sex work is not skills. I'm not saying that. But you understand what I mean. It's, it's yeah. Like, you have to, you have to know how to rob people. 
people and things like that and did not get caught. And that's how we call them crackhead plants. It's not a very nice word, but that's how you, you hear about these, um, these, the world's dumbest criminals. And it's like the dumbest idea. And you're like, yeah, that's because they were like, we got to do something now. And no one had any, they were just like, let's just try this. Let's just do this. And what prostitution is, has its own set of skills, but they're easier. I don't want to say they're easier. Like, you, you, you get what I'm trying yeah. to say. I think it's just... also the more, like, like, the realistic route for me would have been that, like, my boyfriend at the time got out of jail, and then we started robbing houses together. Like, I think that Did he that rob houses? Yeah. He, that's what he's in prison for right now. Um, okay. But I think that he's robbed a lot of houses in his day. Um, like, never with me, obviously. Well, you I said think he came that, from, like, a wealthy family. Is it, did he yeah. start, like, around his friends and family and stuff like that? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like the... And then he, like, got a bad friend who, like, showed him how to do it um, uh, when he was, like, okay. pretty young. So yeah. he had been, like, yeah, yeah. And he started robbing, exactly, friends and family and people close to him. And then he started robbing random houses. Um, so I think, like, the realistic path for me would have been being with my ex-boyfriend and because he actually got out of jail like right after like right when I went to rehab ah very very close in time uh and then like a million other things he was in and out in and out whatever but the reality is is I think like eventually I would have just like started riding along and in reality I like did benefit I guess from like some of his burglar I don't know I'd have to think because you're that. with I, him yeah right? but like my brain is like I, I'm trying to remember if like I I mean I always worked like he was never giving me any you know what I mean like I was never getting anything from him um and when I was doing heroin he had already like went back to jail so like we never really used that much together like heroin we never used that much together because like he went to jail quickly after I'd started so mm-hmm. like within a month So, but I think, like, my realistic, and I think a lot of women who commit drug-related crimes, it happens because they're with, like, a man that shows them how to do it. And, like, gets them into doing it because it's just, I mean, not that women don't commit crimes on their own, but, like, I don't think I would ever, like, be bold enough to, like, rob someone's house, but I think if I was dope sick and I had a boyfriend that, like, could promise me we wouldn't get caught and knew exactly what to do and had an amazing plan and this is the pawn shop we're gonna go to and had it all set up, like, I can see myself driving the car. I don't know if I would have, like, went into somebody's home. I maybe would have, like, knocked on the door to see if they were home when they weren't home, like, went back and, like, they're not home and waited in the car as he did And sat in the car freaking out the whole time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or n- not even freaking out by, like, being hot, like, high as fuck. So, like, you're not even, like, fully. But, like, that all tracks because if you think about the, the stats for women in prison and mm-hmm. what the what the percentage of them are in prison who are in a relationship with someone and their crime is related to that relationship. Yes. Uh, drugs or selling drugs or keeping drugs or stealing or that sort of stuff. It's very high. Like, yes. I I once heard someone they were doing they were doing a speech on prison reform, especially for women, talking about how behind every woman in with a long prison sentence is a story about a man. And 
that really struck me and I was like, that's, that's not true. But the more she talked, more I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I can see how that could be true. Actually. So when I was reading about Valerie, right. About when she died and mm-hmm. everything, her biological mother said that she believes she, um, got, she died OD'd on pink. What is that? I don't know. She's, she kept saying it was a sort of opioid and it's ten times stronger or something than something else. And I was fentanyl. like... No, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was fentanyl, but I don't know why she was calling it pink. I don't know what that is. Yeah. And then also, I read that she was dating Matt's oh, yeah. brother? Uncle. 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 Wait, no, I thought he was the uncle to nope. Nevaeh. No. Nope. He was Matt's uncle. What? Matt's uncle. He was old. So, that was a drug relationship, right? Yeah. So let's just talk about Valerie being arrested. Like, Valerie being arrested. Post-16 and pregnant Valerie. Hey, guys. To hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.